No portion of this program may be reproduced without the express Zach's got chin splints. He's working it out, baby. Broadcast Group Incorporated. The future is eight days away. The first Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The 2008 Dolphins Draft. Sports Radio 560 WQAM. Miami, Fort Lauderdale. You think that was pretty important crap, you know? 560 WQAM presents the Neil Rogers Show. Ready for the draft? Do you have a big party? Oh, yeah, I got a draft right here. Oh, what are you talking about? Call toll-free, 877-75-NEAL, or pound 560 on your AT&T and Verizon wireless phones. The opinions expressed by Neil, his guests, or his no. colleagues no. do no. not represent those of the Now the Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM. It's Friday, you bastard. Have to see some pace off. We like gravy. <laughs> we like gravy. We shorties like gravy. You And what's nice is, with the oil price rising, there's nothing you can do. We got away with. The 9-11 attack, and you bring this midwits, are still occupying Iraq. So we keep raving, with very little complaining. We shorties keep raving, you we've been raving. Gouging and raving. Why not? For you, you dumb, pathetic schnooze. This bathroom is amazing. It's the hell we're raising. And we're always off the pool. So keep on dreaming about alternative fuels. We'll keep on scheming. To take advantage of you, we like raping. You're just a clang and yanking for the aircraft Emirates of Dubai. Bye, bye. I got quite a story later about the uh, prince and the prime minister, you know, Bandar Bush. The prince and the pauper? Yeah, he's a crook. No, he ain't no pauper, I'll tell you that. He's a real, well, he's the prince, Bandar Bush. And the Brits are going to uh, slam his ass somewhere. They're slamming it and jamming it. So anyway, uh, the Beast was on, uh, well, he wasn't on there. He was another topic of conversation again on the Joe World Show this morning. Really? You know I thought that? Um, that was disallowed or something. Well, I guess uh, Zach's executive decisions aren't being abided by no more. He, since he lost the weight, I guess he lost some of his uh, thrust. Indeed. Some of his powers. And we were a little worried about Chris being with us this morning because he had some more dental, uh, some more poxing around in his mouth. But he said that the dental uh, hygienist or whatever she is is really uh, hot. Yep. And so he was very excited to go and. Uh, I was excited to go, but at least, you know, it was a little. Well, you nice. said you were excited. You said it was a real. They uh, often bonus. are hot. I wonder what's up with that. Well, my dental hygienist is about as hot as an ice cube, okay? She's meas. But very All good, right. though. I mean, that, that's a good question. What's more important is that your dental hygienist be hot or that she be. Proficient at her job. Well, it depends. Depends on how much you value your mouth and your gums. Right, and if she puts out. And what's in your mouth. Anyway, here's the uh, poll. 
from yesterday. Oh, there he goes right off the bat with a pole. Oh, my God. That's right. By the way, Curtis for Jerks at 2 this afternoon. And then the rest of the schedule, I guess, is, uh, I don't know, the same as usual. Mad Dog at 2. And then that silly-ass first pitch before the Marlins game. They lost last night 8-0. to zip. Am I right, Chris? That is correct. That must be a mistake. Dolphins all asses 7-9, then the DA show night at midnight. Is that the right schedule? Because Clarence sent me last week's uh, second page. He's an idiot. But then again, we know that. Curtis for jerks are two, so you might want to tune in for that. My favorite South Florida mall. We apologize for this poll, by the way. And the new one is uh, is poised and ready to go. Not that it's all that great. It's okay. 877, so it won't be that long before we get to 1,000. And you know something? Maybe when we get to 900, we'll change it. What do you think? All right. Well, you're, you're the one that hated this. You were, like, embarrassed. You said it was like doing paper or plastic. Yes. That's what Chris said, too. He said, this poll sucks. I said it was okay. Well, there's Charlie B's poll. And by the way, uh, if you think this one is bad, the other couple that you um, sent along to me, that you passed along, I saw my eye who this morning. Oh, my. Have you ever killed a possum? <laughs> no, but um, I knew this Have you North ever Carolina. killed a possum? That's no. a poll. Even Tootsie over there across uh, the way, he, even he wouldn't do that, I don't think. No, you're right about that. Well, yeah, good point. <clears throat> Unless he might do a poll on where's the best possum burger in town. I don't know. I mean, Charlie... Give me a break. He, he's out of material, and he refuses to admit it. If you're out of uh, polls, Charlie, there's all kinds of other stuff coming in from, like, living and breathing people, like the one for uh, tomorrow or for uh, the weekend. My favorite South Florida mall is Sawgrass, 123. I don't live in South Florida, 110. How do you like that? 12.5% of the people on our poll are voting from, like, elsewhere. That's good, I think, isn't it? Sure. Or is that bad? It, it is what it is. I see. Boca Town Center, 92. Aventura Mall, 88. Galleria, 48. Fall Shopping Center, 46. Dayland, 45. Boy, how the mighty have fallen. Dayland. Dolphin Mall, 30. Uh, 30. Swap Shop, Fort Lauderdale, 28. Broward Mall, 27. Pembroke Lakes Mall, 25. Pompano Square, 23. Well, there's the Pope getting off the plane again for the 400th time at uh, New York. Fascinated by it? Distracted? Well, I'm just watching them kissing oh. his thing. Oh, I see. The Mall at Wellington Green, 21. Coral Square Mall, 19. Lincoln Road Mall, 18. City Place, 15. Bell Harbor Shops, 11. Palm Beach Mall, 8. Mall of the Americas, 8. Boynton Beach Mall, 8. Westland, 7. Fashion Mall, 7. Miami International Mall, 6. Lauderhill, 6. Boy, there's so many of these, man. Just too many. I don't even feel like we... I, I don't want to read them all. Should I? Whatever. No, I'll, I'll read it when we get finished with it, when it's done. When it's over, it'll be over, you know what I mean? Right. Here's a great story. And by the way, I still don't have my router. It's being shipped, I'm assuming. I'm assuming it'll be here one of these days. And what it is, you'll be the first to know. So if we take any calls today, uh, you'll also be the first to know. All right. A 30-year-old woman caused quite a commotion last night, or Wednesday evening, I'm sorry, when she decided to direct traffic at a Deland intersection. Rather than keeping traffic flowing through the intersection of West Euclid and South Orange Avenues, the woman was creating a bit of a hazard, police said, because she was topless. The Deland Police Department received a number of calls around 7 p.m. and responded to find the woman foaming at the mouth and talking to herself. Foaming at the mouth. What does that mean? I mean, I've heard that expression. We all have, but 
Yeah. Do people really foam at the mouth? You've never seen anyone foam at the mouth, then, I think. No. I see. Well, have you? Lucky you, yeah. Just this morning. Get out of here. All right, not this what, morning. What do you mean, just this morning? I'm kidding about this morning, but yeah, I've seen people foam at the mouth. Oh, you mean like uh, Beaner Boy? Okay, I wasn't thinking that. He was foaming at the nose, but that's a different story. Oh, he was foaming uh, something. Yes. See, the land woman told police that God told her to direct traffic, topless and foaming at the mouth. She was taken to an area hospital for a mental evaluation. <laughs> like all the good religions, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Am I right, or what? It is a great idea. They should all be checked in. They should have a big nut house. Have to be pretty damn big, though. And, of course, the Pope. Everything's about the Pope. And, oh, my God, he's in New York. And the uh, Pope, we got the Pope Mobile and the Pope Plane, Alitalia, the Pope Jet. And they're there with a bunch of little kids with flowers and kissing his ring. And, oh, everybody's so excited and they're quelling from it. And tomorrow's Pesach. How do you like that? Talk about anti-Semitic crap. I think this is just to overshadow uh, the Jew holiday, don't you? Indeed That's it is. what it sounds like to me. All this crap about... Religious harmony and love and peace. All a bunch of crap. Because if we had that, then it would be bad for business. You couldn't convert people if everybody just leave everybody alone. And CNN, you know something? I have got to turn them off. I can't now. Maybe probably the same thing will be on MSNBC. No, yeah, the same crap. You might even call it the soundbite approach. This this Pope, Benedict, does not deal in soundbites. Yeah, he bites. Maybe that's why he talks like that. He talked like an old Jewish lady. Well, I think it was a wonderful thing with the White House. It was okay. The president never stole a freight train. He's killing a bunch of people, but so are we. Talk like an old Jewish bubble. Newsflash, it says, Fashion Mall doesn't exist anymore. Take that option off your, uh, says Ralph and Tamarack, Fashion Mall. Well, what Fashion Mall is that? The Hollywood Fashion Mall doesn't exist anymore, but that's not the one, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. That, exactly my sentiments. I couldn't have said it better myself. Fashion Mall. Yeah, there it is, under Westland. It's got seven votes. So yeah, we'll change it to the out-of-fashion mall. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's... In, you're right. Maybe it's not in fashion no more. Speaking of uh, crazy religionists, this is a good story. A passenger who left his seat to pray in the back of a plane before it took off, ignoring flight attendants' orders to return, was removed by an airport security guard, a witness in the airline said. The Orthodox Jewish man who wore a full beard, a black hat, and a long black coat stood near the lavatories and began saying his prayers while the United Airlines jet was being boarded at JFK International Wednesday night, said Ori Brothman, a fellow passenger who spoke about the incident by phone from San Francisco, where he lives. I'm sure as soon as I started reading that story, people thought it was some Muslim, you know, with his uh, magic carpet or something. That's what I thought. No, it's some Orthodox Getchke with his full beard, the big oh, black hat, yes. the whole... Same difference. The whole regalia. When flight attendants urged the man who was carrying a religious book to take his seat, he ignored them, Brothman said. Two friends who were seated tried to tell the attendants that the man couldn't stop until after he'd finished his prayers in about two minutes. When the man finally stopped praying, Baruch you're all going to get killed. He explained that he couldn't interrupt his religious ritual and wasn't trying to be rude, but the attendants summoned a guard to remove him, said Ralph, and a writer who had been visiting New York to talk to publishers. The plane, Flight 9 to San Francisco, took off without the man. It landed at its destination as scheduled, Brothman said. Robin Urbanski, a spokeswoman for United Airlines, a subsidiary of UAL Corporation with headquarters in Chicago, confirmed the man was taken off the plane and put on another flight Thursday morning. Urbanski said flights can't depart if all passengers aren't in their seats, which risks a delay, and it's important that passengers listen to the instructions of the flight crew. 
The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which runs area airports, and the TSA, which handles airport security, said Thursday they weren't involved in the incident. Another crazy gitsky. All the uh, crazy religionists, uh, let him walk wherever he's going. Let him take a bus. Let him take a gay hound, you know? Take the train. Sure, there you go. Stay off the plane. Well, we get a little bit nervous when people start acting like uh, crazy, crazy gitsky. That's right. Oh, but it's my religion you're discriminating, and then probably he's going to sue the airline, which they need like a lochen cup, you know, like that. Happy Pesach, by the way, all you uh, silly people. Don't eat too much of that matzo, man. It'll congeal in your in, in your tishkis. Oh my God, can you imagine? Well, it's like having a stomach full of cardboard. Now you talk. Twelve minutes after ten at five sixty WQM. Happy Friday to you. Happy Pesach. Happy weekend. Happy the uh, the draft is coming. Oh my God, what more could you want? Right. Except a whole bag of money. Oh, I was just going to say, a big bag of money. Friday, you bastards. Well, I was shopping at the store for some food. Buying groceries never felt so good. Too bad I didn't know my credit was waxed. Store security was breached and their database got hacked. C-R-A-P, that spells me. My credit is crap.com, baby. I'm as screwed as I can be. Thought about killing myself, maybe. Now instead of eating good and getting fat. My identity was stolen and now my life is just crap. C-R-A-P, that spells me. My credit is crap.com, baby. Oh, there's the new poll in Pennsylvania. Swillery 46, Obama 41. All right. Our lead is shrinking, man. It's shrinking. And the election, the primary finally is coming up on Tuesday. Boy, it seemed, doesn't it seem like it's been eons since we had any uh, votes Good to count? Good God. There's yes. Bubba. When he said she was untruthful in Iowa. I just uh, don't like him anymore. You know, I've no. got to be very honest with you. I used to like him a lot, and now I just he just leaves well, me limp. Be, just you know, sit on the sidelines and shut up already. I realize that you know they've got this marriage of convenience, etc. And probably this is to make up for Monica, I guess. You know it is. I would think so. Howard Dean, by the way, says speaking of the Pennsylvania primary, Howard Dean says I need a decision now. Democratic National Committee Chairman Howard Dean wants things to wrap up. This morning on CNN's Wolf Blitzkrieg, which I didn't know that Wolf Blitzkrieg was on in the morning, but nevertheless, he said of the party superdelegates, I need them to say who they're for starting now. We can't give up two or three months of active campaigning and healing time, the DNC chairman told CNN's Wolf Blitzkrieg. We've got to know who our nominee is. After facing criticism for mostly hands-off leadership style during much of the primary season, Dean has been steadily raising the rhetorical pressure on superdelegates. He said Thursday that roughly 65% of them have made their preference plain, but that more than 300 have yet to make up their minds. The National Party chair, who has remained neutral throughout the primary process, said again it's his job to make sure that both candidates feel they're treated fairly, but not to tell either of them when to end their run. Maybe she's going to make an end run. Because we got the draft coming up next week. Let's do a football thing. What do you say? Maybe she yeah. can toss around the pigskin. Sure. There's the new Pennsylvania poll, the L.A. Times-Bloomberg poll. Right now. All right, Brian. 46-41 for Swillery. Very tight. In fact, in a dramatic reversal, an Associated Press Yahoo News poll found that a clear majority of Democratic voters now say Barack Obama's got a better chance of beating John McCain in November than Swillery. Swillery. Pilloried. While Obama and Clinton are both sustaining dents and dings from their lengthy presidential fight, the former first lady is clearly suffering more. Democratic voters no longer see her as the party's strongest contender for the White House. Voters of all types have got a better sense of Obama, who was an obscure Illinois legislator just four years ago. As more people move from the I don't know him category in the AP Yahoo News poll, more rated Obama's inexperienced, unethical, and dishonest. 
and 15% erroneously think he's a Muslim thanks in part to disinformation widely spread on the internets. But Obama's positive ratings have climbed as well, while Swillery, widely known since the early 90s, has been less able to change people's views of her, and when those views have shifted, it's hurt her more than it's helped. Swillery's ratings for being honest, likable, ethical, and refreshing have fallen since January, and Obama scores higher than she does in all those categories. In late January, before Obama scored 11 straight primary and caucus victories, 56% of Democrats saw Clinton as the stronger nominee, compared to 33% for Obama. Now Obama leads on that question 56 to 43%. Still, the poll conducted by Knowledge Networks contains some worrisome signs for the first-term senator. Those rating him as not at all honest, for example, jumped from 18% last fall to 27% in April. It came as he was put on the defensive over incendiary comments by his former pastor, but many holding such views are Republicans or conservative independents who would be unlikely to vote for Democrat anyway. The most encouraging sign for Obama is that many Democrats who previously saw Swillery as their party's best hope now give him that role. About a third of them still prefer Clinton, but they've lost confidence in her electability. I would love to vote for Hillary, said Nancy Costello of Bellevue, Kentucky, one of the more than 1,800 randomly selected adults whose opinions are uh, rechecked every few months. I'm 67. I'll probably never get another chance to vote for a woman, she'd be saying. But Obama now appears to be the stronger candidate, she said, and electing a Democrat in November is paramount. If McCain wins and continues many of Bush's economic and foreign policies, Costello said, I think I would just sit down and cry. There's nothing like a good cry, baby. I think we're going to do it right now. I'm going to put my head in my hand and just weep like a woman. Weep like a, a child, like a baby, an infant. That's right. By tracking the same group throughout the campaign, the AP Yahoo News poll can gauge how individual views change. It suggests that Clinton has paid a price for hamming Obama since early February on several issues as she tries to overcome his lead in delegates and the popular vote. Among those Democrats who no longer consider her the more electable of the two, most now see her as less likable, less decisive, less strong, less honest, less experienced, and less ethical than they did in January. In fact, the less we see her, the more we like her. Meanwhile, those same voters are more likely to see Obama as strong, honest, and refreshing than before. Beulah Barton of Leesburg, Florida, said she initially backed Swillery partly because she liked Bill Clinton's record as president. But the more I hear her talk and the more I hear him talk, the more put off I am, said Barton, 69. I think she's brash. I think she's rude. I get the feeling she feels she deserves to be president and doesn't need to earn it. Barton said she likes Obama and ignores emails suggesting that he refuses to salute the flag or is somehow threatening because of his name. People try to make him look like a traitor, she said. I think he's risen above most of that stuff. Some misinformation sticks, however. The great majority of the polls participants said this month they didn't know the religious affiliation of Clinton, the Methodist, or Obama, United Church of Christ. But 15% ventured that Obama, whose father was Kenyan, is a Muslim. A Muslim. That group includes more Democrats than Republicans, and it doesn't necessarily worry them. Randy Estes, a Democrat from Ada, Oklahoma, said she prefers Clinton but feels Obama is likely to win the nomination. He's gotten very strong media coverage, and Bill Clinton's not helping her a bit, said Estes, 36, who's got four kids under the age of six. She's pumping them out, man, like a baby machine. Like a big baby pumping machine. She's pumping it. Speaking of Obama, she said, I have a sense he's a Muslim. She has a sense. Isn't that how you tell a Muslim sense, religious? Yeah. yeah, I have a sense. The sixth sense, no doubt. Or maybe a sixth sense. She has Goddar. If Obama wins the nomination, the poll indicates he'll need to mend his image a bit as he battles McCain for independence and soft Republicans. His favorability rating among all voters has declined, with those who rank him as very unfavorable, growing from 17% in January to 25% in April. McCain. Oh, no, that's uh, Obama. Most of them are Republicans independent, like we said. And they're not going to vote for the Democrat anyway, so club them in dreary, you know what I'm saying? Who cares what they think? Bastards.
Nazis, goose steppers. Mm -hmm. In other words, all of these things. That's it. How are we doing on your pool there, Chris? Can we hear Schmidt Cannon yet or what? Not yet. 907. Oh, we got over 900 votes. Let's get rid of it. I, I told you when we get to 900, let's get rid of it. There's no point in, guy. you know, it's a piece of crap. Talk about beating a dead hoss. Pole switch. Let's get that new one on there, baby. It's not that good either. But it certainly is better than have you ever killed a possum. Now, the audience probably thinks I'm making that up. Right. Because I went back this morning to my Yahoo mail, and because uh, you emailed me the uh, Charlie B. pile of poles. And believe me, if you think the one today about the malls is bad, have you ever killed a possum? Have you, how about have you ever played possum? Yeah. And I knew a girl named Possum. Oh. What was her nickname? Is in North Carolina. She was a sweetheart, Becky. Okay, which one of the following are you positive would cause your parents to disown you? And, of course, many of us, our parents are long since dead, but this is just, you know, hypothetical, as in the past, something like that. Becoming a drug addict, one, that was my vote. Well, I can't think that any of these others. Uh, vote Democratic, vote Republican, prostitute yourself. Yeah, I like, likely story. I'd sure make a big living doing that. Commit a serious crime, convert from your religion, uh, date outside your race, or come out of the closet. Well, I did that. And they didn't disown me. Aren't you proud of them? Right. Well, your mom Although didn't. Although Pa, he wasn't uh, too happy. He wasn't no? too keen. He wasn't too giddy or well, gay two about of those, you know, in the same family, it's kind of... Gay. Kind of gay. Okay, here's the final thing. Oh, I hate reading all of these. 909, my favorite South Florida mall, Sawgrass 131. I don't live in South Florida 116. Boca Town Center 95, Aventura 91, Galleria 48, Falls 47. Dayland 46, The Dauphin Mall 31, Swap Shop 28, Broward Mall 28. Pembroke Lakes Mall 26, Pompano Square 23, The Mall at Wellington Green 22, Coral Square Mall 21. Lincoln Road Mall 18, City Place 16, Bell Harbor Shops 12. Palm Beach Mall 9, Mall of the Americas 8, Boynton Beach Mall 8, Westland 7, the Fashion Mall, which may not exist, 7. I don't know which one they're talking about. The one in Hollywood, obviously, is long gone. Miami International Mall 6, Water Hill Mall 6, Festival Flea Market 6, Village of Merrick Park 5, Southland 5, Shops of Las Olas 5, Shops at Sunset Place 5, Meisner Park 5, Mary Brickle Village 4, Coral Ridge Mall 4, Cocoa Walk Shops 4, Bayside 4, Shops at Midtown Miami 3, Diplomat Mall 2, uh, Cross County Mall 2. Did I mention that Tom Jick is an idiot? Not lately. He called twice here yesterday again, knowing that I was at Woodbine. I'll call you back in a half hour, see if you're back yet. He really want to write that story for Monday. He never left me a number again, so I could call him back and we could talk. Uh, if you really want to talk to somebody, you leave a number, and of course I would have called him back, and it would be a story. But, you know, that's the way it goes, Tom. Maybe Good he's afraid you. you're going to stalk him if he gives you a The shops at Pembroke Gardens 1, Town and Country Center 1, Pioneer Mall 1, Lowman's Fashion Island 1, Kendall Lakes Mall 1, and none for the Fountain's Shops of Distinction, which I guess is why so many of those joints go out of business there. Wow. Your biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Bested. Lattes from Starbucks and hot Asian women. Truffles of chocolate and books by John Grisham. Implants for the Mrs. Ikea shopping. These are a white person's favorite things. Hedge funds for profit and rap songs by Diddy, Barack Obama and gay-friendly cities, Botox and sushi at dinner parties. These are a white person's favorite things. Farmers markets doing yoga, 
Well, speaking of very white people, there is the Pope again. What a surprise on MSNBC and on CNN and on Fox and on CBC and on every TV, even on the uh, gardening channel. Everywhere you look. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on uh, City Pulse. Let me take a look here. Oh, thank God he's not. They actually have, like, some yokel news on there. Well, out riding near Grand Ravine Drive. And, and it's going to be sunny. It's already sunny. 75 here today. Wow, and 73 mm. tomorrow. What a great day for the Irish and for all the rest of us, too. Speaking of Farbison of uh, Jews, Senator Jew Lieberman, the Democratic Party's 2000 vice presidential nominee, is leaving open the possibility of giving a keynote address on behalf of John McCain at the Republican National Convention in September. What a surprise since they're joined at the hip. Right. He's always whispering sweet nothings in McCain's ear. Republicans close to the McCain campaign say Lieberman's appearance at the convention, possibly before a national primetime audience, could help make the case that the presumptive GOP nominee has a record of crossing the aisle. That could appeal to much-needed independent voters. Kind of like uh, Charlie Crist, he crosses the aisle, if you know what I mean. Gay. Yeah. I don't think he really ever got on the other side of the aisle, but that's uh, only speculation. McCain has yet to ask Lieberman to speak either in prime time or elsewhere at the convention, but if McCain thinks it will help make his case for the White House, as some of his allies suspect, Lieberman would be willing to speak on his behalf. If Senator McCain, who I so strongly support, asked me to do it, if he thinks it will help him, I will, Lieberman said in a brief interview. Lieberman said he doubts McCain will ask him to give a keynote address, but acknowledges the subject has yet to come up in the two senators' discussions. A Lieberman aide said even though there are no plans for the Independent to give a speech at the convention, it's a likely possibility he'll address the Republican audience in some form. I wonder if he'll be in full regalia. Is he going to be wearing the talus and the, uh, all the schmatas and the tzitzes? And the, uh, I don't know. Boy, that'd be a picture. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Farbison. Maybe, in fact, Jew Lieberman and the Pope. I'd love to see them together. Oh, yeah. He's got the better outfit. They could have dueling gear. Appearing before the Republican convention carries some risk for Lieberman. His Democratic colleague could seek retribution by taking away his gavel on the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee next Congress. Lieberman has had a long leash this Congress because his decision to caucus with Democrats, despite losing Connecticut's 2006 Democratic primary, allows them to hold their narrow 5149 majority. If Democrats pick up more seats, as expected in November, and Lieberman pisses off Democrats along the campaign trail, some privately expect there might be an attempt to deny him his bid to retain his chairmanship. One Democratic leadership aide said losing his chairmanship could happen in that scenario, but the bar would have to be very high. That's because Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid has a close relationship with Lieberman. Figures, one nevish loves another one. Nevishes of a feather swing together. Yeah. Unlike a number of Democratic colleagues who backed Lieberman's challenger Ned Lamont after the 2006 primary, Reid offers words of praise for the senator, saying he wouldn't turn on Joe. Reed called Lieberman and promised him a chairmanship if he won re-election, a move that angered some Lamont supporters. Even though Reed may not need Lieberman next Congress to claim a Senate majority, he told Lieberman in private conversations he would protect his seniority. I can tell you, Senator Reed had talked to me a few times and said he knows there will be talk if we get more than 51 Democrats next year, Lieberman told the Hartford Courant this month. As far as he's concerned, I'll retain my seniority, etc., no matter how many Democrats there are next year. Right. Surprise, Jew Lieberman. You bastard. You lunatic, you maniac, you sellout, turncoat. Maybe he can elope with Wolf Blitzkrieg. They'd make a good pair. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking about the calls today? Hey, whatever. Let's, uh, you know, we can try it out. No, that's not, no. that wasn't now the question. Now or later. 40 votes, which one of the following are you positive would cause your parents to disown you? Commit a serious crime, 14. Vote Republican, 7. Become a drug addict, 7. Prostitute yourself, 4. Date outside your race, three. Come out of the closet, three. Vote Democratic, one. Or convert from your religion, one. 
News alert from the Washington Post on my BlackBerry. Pope to address the UN. See, I knew it. As soon as that thing buzzed, I knew it was the more Pope crap. Yeah. Breaking news! Breaking news! The Pope is going to hock a China at the UN. What was that? News sounder. That was a news sounder? Amazing. It sounded like something for like a cooking show or something. There we go. ABC. How it goes, Sal, speaking of sports. Well, I remember those days, but I, you, you, I don't even know if you guys were born then. Speaking of sports, Howard Cosell, ABC News. Those were the days, man, when there were like uh, radio networks that people actually carried on the air, as opposed to all these stupid-ass syndicated talk shows with all these Nazis on the air. Speaking of Nazis, a 48-page report written by a former aide to Donald Rumsfeld issued by the Pentagon's premier military educational institute has called the Iraq War a major debacle whose outcome is in doubt. Measured in blood and treasure, the war in Iraq has achieved the status of a major war and a major debacle, the report's opening line reads. As of fall 2007, this conflict has cost the U.S. over 3,800 dead and over 2,800 wounded. Allied casualties accounted for another 300 dead. Published by the National Defense Institute's National Institute for Strategic Studies, a Defense Department research center, the report doesn't reflect the official views of the Pentagon or the Defense Department, but it delivers a scathing indictment from the key educational arm of the U.S. Armed Forces. A scathing report. The report was written by Joseph Collins. He used to play first base for the Yankees, by the way, back in the mid-50s, Joe Collins. A retired colonel and former senior advisor to Defense Secretary Rumsfeld and Paul Wolfowitz, that bastard. With that cowlick. Remember that? Yeah. That was disgusting. Yeah. Spit on his hand yeah, and yeah. smeared his hair. Oh, oh my God. Almost Can you call up. me a slob? Its importance can't be understated because it's based in part on interviews on former senior defense and intelligence officials who spoke candidly and played roles in preparations for war. Despite impressive progress in security, the outcome of the war is in doubt, Collins writes. Strong majorities of both Iraqis and Americans favor some sort of U.S. withdrawal. Intelligence analysts, however, remind you us that the only thing worse than an Iraq with an American army may be an Iraq after rapid withdrawal of that army. But of course, if we wouldn't have gone in there in the first place, there would a lot of pe- people still be alive, including a lot oh, over 4,000 American soldiers. Hey, Tommy, why do you hate That's America? That's right. Why do you hate America? Why do you hate Bush? And why do you hate the Pope and all of these things, all these butchers, all these murderers? Bad news for you. Bruce Springsteen's Friday night concert at Bank Atlantic Center at the Yenta Center has been postponed because of the death of a longtime Springsteen bandmate. A spokesman for concert promoter Live Nation said yesterday, news of keyboardist Danny Federici's death was announced last night at Springsteen's official website. You know who that is, Danny Federici? I do know. No. Danny Federici, for 40 years, the E Street Band's organist and keyboard player, died this afternoon, yesterday, at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York after a three-year battle with melanoma, the website said. Federici, 58, was not touring while he underwent treatment, but made a surprise appearance on stage at a March 20th Springsteen concert in Indianapolis. Live Nation spokeswoman Woody Graber, spokesman, did I say spokeswoman? Woody Graber, who woke up George at 8 o'clock this morning. Well, I was already awake, but... Well, he sent a message at 8.04 about a he bunch called, of crap. He called, he called, Said a Springsteen show this weekend in Orlando would also be rescheduled, but a Monday concert in Tampa would go forward as planned. Woody Graber said... Graver said no makeup dates for Sunrise or Orlando have been announced. Had no information on refunds for ticket holders. Now, Woody's going to hang out of the cash. Get himself a new haircut. I doubt it. like that. He called you at 8.04 this morning, and he winds up in a story about Bruce Springsteen. Wow. He's all over the place. And he was here, so I saw him. Paul, who sent us the uh, poll that we're using today, says, Glad you like the poll enough to use it left off one, performing in porn. You want to put that on there? Yeah. Sure. 
Performing in porn. What about a none of the above? Yeah, will you stop? None of the above. That's like I hate this pool all over again, okay? Just, uh, you know, you got some real uh, oral problems there with your teeth. Just uh, dummy up. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. I know you bastard. Happy Pesach, even to the Pope, baby. Enjoy that matzah and those pastadicky candies, man. Pop them by the dozen. Dead is all around me. Everybody's broke. The economy is drowning. They got us by the throat. I'd like to do some driving, but can't afford to go. For the world's richest country, this depression blows. After 9-11, the stage was set for the neocons to grab all they could get. They trickled it up to the 1%, made us fall and left us for dead. Could this be a recession? The headlines boiling news. Absolutely. There's people going hungry. You won't see that on the news. It's like the 1930s. Another grapes of wrath. We're just the rich and dirty. And afford to buy gas. The corporate newspapers say it will end. The ones that I use for the sheets on my bed. You patriotically left them in control. They dropped us blind. Now we got a dust bowl. We're in a deep depression, but they don't want you to know. Huh? For the world's richest country, this depression blows. Yeah, this depression blows. And it sucks too, as a matter of fact. This depression blows. 1047, 13 before 11 o'clock. Curtis for the jerks at yeah, uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. That's the good news. I mean, that's uh, interesting. Is it good news or what? There's good news tonight. Well, we don't want to be picking on jerks again. Now, is he still whining about the fact that I'm ripping him an ass or what, Chris? I did not hear the show yesterday, so I don't know. Why not? Why not? Well, what does that mean? I thought you were like a big fan of that show. I thought you wouldn't miss it for love or money. I'm sorry. I was (laughs) laughing on that one. What? (laughs) Huh? Florida. Now we're even for whatever crap you were spewing before. I forget what it was, but whatever it was, it was bad. Throughout a long career, who wrote this? Oh, Ali Garib. Abu Garib. <laughs> For the Interpress Service. Ali Garib. He must be kin to. Abu Garib. Yeah, that's kind of an unusual name, ain't it? Well, yep. throughout a long career in politics, presumptive Republican. Why do they keep saying that? Republican nominee John McCain has had his foreign policy shaped by his and the U.S. experience in the Vietnam War. 
But that shaping has been very dynamic, not beholden to any one particular lesson of the conflict, but rather taking each political situation being presented to him and viewing it through the lens of Vietnam, often with mixed results. The most potent example of this today is also one of the biggest campaign issues, McCain's support for the Iraq War. The Iraq War, many feel, violates some of the primary lessons of Vietnam that were thought to be solidified in the Powell Doctrine of former George W. Bush Secretary of State Colin Powell, Roland Colin, who along with McCain was informed by his service in Vietnam. The Powell Doctrine sets out requirements for U.S. engagement in military conflict. Included in the criteria are U.S. public support, clear objectives, and the use of overwhelming military force. But just as critics use Vietnam to challenge the folly of continued occupation, McCain uses it to defend the U.S. presence there, citing Vietnam-era criticism of the U.S. that it had lost the will to fight. McCain's own military service during and after the war in Vietnam was fraught with the sort of drama usually reserved for war films. A naval aviator, McCain's plane was shot down over Hanoi, the capital of North Vietnam. McCain was then taken prisoner and tortured for five years, notably refusing to be released early out of order of capture because of his father's position in the Navy. Upon his release from captivity, McCain returned to the U.S. as a war hero and used the platform afforded him to support President Nixon's escalation of the conflict and notably his support for the domino theory. That's not the fast domino theory. That's the theory that if South Vietnam fell to communist, a red fever would have spread across Southeast Asia and strengthened global communism and its alleged goal of violent and forceful world domination. Communista, communista. I don't hold him accountable for anything he said right after returning from Vietnam, author, blogger, and political consultant Cliff Schechter told IPS, citing the stress and trauma of the long captivity. But while McCain moved away from many of his originally stated lessons on Vietnam as he went into politics, he has since returned to many of them as he's grown closer to the neocon movement, rehashing the old arguments to warn about the dangers of leaving Iraq, even as those ideas proved to be false alarms in the case of Vietnam. He was a little attached to Vietnam at first, but then he learned his lesson about Vietnam, said Schechter, calling McCain's worldview at the time something akin to Powell's. He entered public life in 1982 when he won his congressional seat as a complete isolationist. One of the first indications of McCain's maverick status was when he broke with party ranks in 1983 to oppose President Reagan's plan to keep troops in Lebanon, Lesbianon. The vote cast was on the losing side, but troops would nevertheless be pulled when U.S. barracks there were bombed. Similarly, McCain opposed the use of force in Somalia and Haiti in the 90s. Just like that, in 97 and 98, he did a complete 180 when he started to hang out with the neocon crowd, said Schechter, whose book on the Arizona senator, an unsympathetic profile called The Real McCain, was recently released. McCain is broken with his brothers in arms to join this group of armchair warriors who theorize on blackboards and computers and have never really been to war. The allegiance with that crowd was codified in 2000 when neocon Randy Schoenerman was added to McCain's 2000 presidential bid as an advisor. For his 2008 run, McCain has taken on Schoenerman as his foreign policy chief. At an event at the Washington Think Tank, the Brookings Institution, earlier this month, Schoenemann spoke of another McCain's fears about a U.S. defeat in Iraq, a weakening of U.S. military forces. Again, McCain's contention was based on the Vietnam experience of returning to active duty in command of a squadron rife with recruiting issues and planes grounded due to disrepair. McCain served in the military in the aftermath of defeat and saw firsthand how difficult it was to recruit and retain personnel to keep aircraft flying and so on, said Schoenemann. But Schechter complains that McCain and Schoenemann have it backwards. It's the Iraq war itself that has weakened U.S. military forces rather than the specter of defeat. By any real measure, the military is so unprepared right now because of that war that McCain and Bush and their allies thrust upon us, said Schechter, were much more dangerously overstretched than anything close to where we were back then. Perhaps the biggest gap in logic for McCain's use of his experience with defeat in Vietnam to bolster the war effort in Iraq is based on his contention that the U.S. must not lose its will to fight. It's a trick because that observation assumes that the U.S. could have won in Vietnam only if it had not withdrawn, which is not true. Juan Cole, professor of history at the University of Michigan and a Middle East expert, told IPS, 
Yes, it's very unfortunate to be defeated in a military endeavor, but it happens. So suck it up and get over it. Suck it up. Is that what Jennifer says? Yeah. I'll find it. Just remember, I'm old, okay? Getting right. older by the second, right, not we'll by wait. the day. I'll find it. Suck it in and hold it. Call it and get over it. Cole insists it's not the lessons of Vietnam, but rather the war's follies that are being replayed in Iraq. McCain and the Republicans misunderstood the North Vietnamese communists as being an international communist threat. But they were just Vietnamese nationalists, said Cole. Now these same people are misunderstanding the Sunni insurgency as an international al-Qaeda threat, but they're just Sunni Arab Iraqi nationalists. After McCain had settled into the real, realist mindset as he entered politics, he played a major role in normalizing relations with Vietnam after the end of the Cold War, advocating for U.S. interest section in Vietnam in the early 80s and traveling to Vietnam in the mid-90s as part of a push for normalization made official shortly thereafter by Bubba. In a way that was sort of explicitly or implicitly admitting that what we did in Vietnam was an absolute waste of our time, it was a stupid war. It didn't help our national security. It injured us, said Schechter. It exacerbated problems just as Iraq is doing now. So now he throws up the same silly platitudes that we used back then about you need to win there. Well, what does that mean? In the end, diplomacy is what created the situation we're currently in in our relationship with Vietnam. He said, where are we right now? We're a trading partner of theirs. A partner, like Hyman Roth. If the money is on the table, I know I have a partner. If it's not, I don't. Remember that? <coughs> Fredo brought yeah. the suitcase with all that cash. Well, I could have had a good time at Woodbine with that. Actually, yesterday I lost in the afternoon, and I went back last night and got even. Where do you go? Even for the day. For those people. Oh, he talks about he wins every day. No, most of the time you lose your ass, okay? Especially playing slot machines, man. And this nasty guy from India, this guy with this very expensive silk suit that's always walking, waltzing around in the high roller room with a big wad of $100 bills. He had five grand on the uh, $5 machine on the wheel. The good news is it cost him seven grand to get it. Oh, I, I spent seven. This is a crazy person. What is it with these people from India, man? You know who really love to gamble? I mean, really gamble. Chinese. Chinese and Indian. Okay. And India. I'm not talking about Seminole, although I, I knew about Indian the too. Chinese. What? I knew about the Chinese. How did you know that? Just uh, you, hear it, you hear it all the time. Do you? Oh yeah. Where do they get all their money? These Chinese money. A good point. Maybe they're and good the Chinese gambling. women, even the Chinese girls. Oh yeah. Some of them are uh, very cute. I just thought I'd mention that. Okay, good. Because that's, you know, well, you don't care about that slot thing, you know. Sure I do. I care a lot about the slot. You care about the slots or the slots? Yeah, I know the slot you care about. Here's the poll, the new one that we just put up there, and Chris said, uh, don't understand it. Now, are you finally caught up with us on this now, or what? I don't have a, I understand I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what if someone's parents won't disown them no matter what? Ah. Okay, put it on there, okay? None of the above. Hey, we can, we don't have to put it on. I want you to put it on there now. Okay. Sasquatch. See, because Chris has already done most of these things, and they still haven't disowned him. So. Yeah, well, I'm sure that. Except performing in porn. I don't, I don't see that in his future. Well, performing well, he, he could be another Ron Jeremy, I guess. There are lots of roles, you know, in porn. Yeah, jelly rolls, I know. Mm -hmm. Big, fat rolls. Like deliverance, right? I'll never forget as long as I lived that day. He sat right there where you're sitting now across that table. And when I talked about what a miracle it was that a big, fat, hairy, ugly guy like him was a porn star, he, he looked at me like I had just stabbed him through the heart with a, with a right. spear. Mm -hmm. he, he really <sighs> thinks he's something. He thinks he's a sex pot. Right. And a superstar. Oh, my God. Although he is double-jointed. I, I you know, I mean, you got to hand that to him, so to speak. Oh, Which one of the following are you positive would cause your parents to disown you? 82 votes. I don't think they like this poll all that much either. 
I say we go back to the beginning and start all over again. All right, reset. Commit a serious crime, 25. Vote Republican, 15. Become a drug addict, 12. Well, you have to be on drugs to vote Republican or be a Nazi, one or the other. Come out of the closet, 8. Prostitute yourself, 7. Date outside your race, 7. Performing in porn, 4. Convert from your religion, 3. Oi! None of the above, 1. And vote Democratic, 1. Well, you're right that none of the above is uh, it's off to the races. <laughs> This is the Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. Any questions? The brokers on Wall Street don't know it yet, but a bear market is coming to get them. One, two, bad news for you. Out the door. A nightmare on Wall Street. Five, six, better sell off quick. Seven, eight, cut the interest rate. Terror on the trading floor as stocks plummet into the depths of hell. <laughs> sell! Sell! Please! <laughs> A nightmare on Wall Street in portfolios. Everywhere. Nine, ten, now you're broke again. Oh, but maybe it's a buying opportunity. <laughs> what do you think, huh? Mm-hmm. Now let's take a look. Let's let's look at the gambling channel and see. Maybe there's some good news this morning. Oh yeah, the Dow is up uh, 222 point, and the S and P is up 25 and a half, and the Nasdaq is up uh, something. Okay, they just they just flipped that thing again. They flipped this house. That's another horrible show on A and E. Flip this house. Yeah. When I see that's coming on, I flip the uh, screen. I mean, what? Oh, and NASDAQ's up 56 and a half. What is that uh, supposed to mean? Oh, you're supposed I mean, to cheer for someone else making some money. Why? I don't know. It's just like all those uh, those uh, home refurbishing. Uh, well, who cares? Jesus Christ, pretty soon we're going to have a show watching people pick their nose, for Christ's sake. I mean, what, what is that? Watching people play golf, watching people play cards. Watching yeah. people remodel a house. Watching people play games. Yeah, but you can bet on that. You can bet on anything. Can you? Sure. Can you bet on who's... Uh, can you, and I wonder if Mo was betting on those um, bridge tournaments he was announcing, whatever that was, that poker or crap? Oh, boy. Is that what that was? I, I don't know. I don't play cards. And I'm sure that you can win money. Oh, video poker is where it's at. Well, well good. Go and uh, make your living there, okay? I go for a little entertainment. Uh, last night on a, another one of those, a di- this was a dime machine. Again, I got five hundred and fifty bucks. Way to go! Not bad, huh? Not at all. I put in forty, I believe, and I got five hundred and fifty bucks. I don't even know how. You know, it's one of those digital ones. Beep, boop, boop, and it goes. You know, all the way. you have no idea what you're getting. But when the bell goes off and the little uh, sign comes on, hand pay jackpot five hundred fifty dollars. You say, oh, I know what I'm getting. Just come here and give me the money. And then I hate when you have to sit there and wait and wait. And you look for the attendants, you know, with their little stupid outfits on. Uh, well, one of you slobs come over here. Please give me the money. Please. They like doing that so that the bells keep ringing. You do know that, don't you? No, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. So like on the dollar wheel of fortune, if you had a two or three, th- you know, a jackpot, big one. The bell goes off, and they'll, they'll make you wait until hell freezes over because they want the bell to be ringing. Everybody, oh, my God, and they all come running around looking at your machine and see the, the five times the Wheel of Fortune. Uh, you know, look at that. I, I don't understand people. I just don't get it, like the ones that stand around and watch you play a slot machine. What, what is that? I don't get that. Oh, yeah, there are a whole bunch of them. I, I know. I've seen it. 
They stand around, and in Montreal, there was that one old frog just almost on my shoulder, and he's just standing there watching the machine. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I turned around finally, just gave him a dirty look, and he ran like a son of a bitch. I'm wondering if those are people that, you know, they've already lost their money and wish they I could still no be right. playing. Yeah, some of them, like Mr. Pension out at Woodbine. Yeah, we call so Mr. they're, uh, you know, playing vicariously. We hate you, Mr. Pension. Go away. He, he lost all his pension money. I've told you this story yeah. before, because he'll tell you this story 400 times a day if you let him. And now his wife works... And he, she gives him 20 bucks a day, and he goes and has lunch and hangs out and gets free drinks at the uh, casino at Woodbine. Ooh. And, and talks, the Wheel of Fortune, that's his uh, stomping point. I see. And he talks up a storm. Bop, 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 beep, 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 bop, 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 you know. Mr. Pension, real a-hole. Mayor Peter Massa of North Arlington, New Jersey, put out a citywide cat call when his main coon disappeared. I think everybody should have a Maine Coon. Right. Moss had an automatic call sent to 8,500 voters on Wednesday asking for help to find Max, the Maine Coon. Turns out he didn't have to look that far. Mass's wife, Val, says 14-year-old Max was found inside a wall of their house yesterday morning. He had been missing since Tuesday. Val Masses said she didn't know how the 20-pound cat got in the five-inch hole under the stairs. Max was dehydrated and hungry, but otherwise fine. The Masses had also offered a $500 reward for a stupid old 14-year-old cat. Probably there was like a mouse in the wall, wouldn't you think? Or something. Wouldn't it be interesting to see? Probably nauseating, not interesting. To see what's inside the walls of your house. Nauseating is right. Am I right? Especially in Florida, all the mold. Roaches and mold. and Oh, God only knows what's uh, crawling around in there. I remember once upon a time in my kitchen, when I first, uh, early years of my house, there's a built-in radio in the wall in the kitchen, which I never turn on, of course, because I don't listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there was... Um, some, I don't know, something I had to do with it, uh, pull a knob off or do. And, and cockroaches came out. Oh, yeah. From the radio. There's roaches in your radio, baby. Smoke one. Seriously, there were like roaches in, in the, uh, and of course they yeah. were in the wall. It's Florida, they're everywhere. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Not in my house because I got Steve the Bugman comes and takes care right. of me, the ATM guy. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Thank God for you, Steve. Now, he's good. He is good. And then I had rats in the attic, too, there for a while. Remember I told you that? With Joy Reynolds? Rats in my room with Joey Reynolds and Tommy Shannon, too, who ripped off the uh, Tommy Shannon show. What was that song? Wild Weekend by the Rockin' Rebels on Swan Records. Boy, what a memory. Wow. I, my memory for garbage is just, it, it's amazing. For example, this morning, I put my underwear and a few things in the washer to do, you know, my laundry. And when I finished my shower and got all spruced up, I went in to put it in the dryer. Well, the problem was it wasn't ready for the dryer yet because I left the lid up on the washing machine. I see. In other words, I put the stuff in there and the detergent, and I set the knob and turned it on, but I had forgotten to put the lid down. So there was a bunch of water in there, but it wasn't doing anything yet. I've done that. Huh? I've done that. Yeah, we've all done that. I've done it a couple of times. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm getting old and forgetful. But if I can remember Rockin' Rebels on Swan Records and uh, Wild Weekend, I bet you got it there. Do you have that? It's the medley of their smash. They were a group from Buffalo, local group. And there's a long story. I don't know what the real story is, so I don't want to get sued and go on here. And but Tom Shannon and Joey Reynolds were partners, evidently, and uh, signed them to some kind of a contract or whatever. And uh, supposedly they never got paid any royalties for this song. So it was released about ten times and sold collectively over a million records. You can't do a talk up because it's well, you can't talk up a post. Huh? You can talk up a post. Several posted, just like a hockey goal. There you go. So what year did you say? Oh, I have no idea. I, I would guess um, 60, 
three. Right on. Is that it? Spot on. I think that's the first time you actually got to hear like dead on. You normally wow. get it like within one. I'm leaving now. I'm going to Woodbine. Find me a good machine, man. It must be my lucky day. What do you think? Do it. Well, not right now. Slide it. Yeah. Well, you can finish the show. I yeah, don't want to work myself. Uh, I got yeah. five and two no, things no, no, to no. go yet. No, seriously, I, I don't want to like dwell on the Tom Jicka thing, but it just I just find it bizarre because. You know, Tom's been nice to me here recently. I don't know why, but he's been pretty good to me. He wrote a good thing about uh, the big flap we had back in the end of the year. But it just seems to me, Tommy, that if you're going to want to talk to me, you leave a number. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, I could call you back and leave you a message, leave you my cell phone number or whatever. Uh, but, But just to call and leave a message saying I'll call you back later, knowing that I'm not here, knowing that I'm at Woodbine, knowing that I'm not going to be back probably for hours, which I wasn't, well, what's the point? People do that all the time. They'll send a fax asking some question. And then no, no, no number, number, no email, no nothing, no way to uh, answer it back. Oh, here's the Pope at the UN. And look at that. There, here, here's what I don't get. No, I'm not watching. Now, look, look at, no, wait a minute. Uh, Why are the soldiers there saluting? What, what are they saluting? Out of pedophiles? Pedophilia? No, seriously. What, what do the soldiers have to salute the Pope? He's not a military person. or a, a, what, what is that? Or the president? Well, he was in the Hitler Youth. the commander-in-chief. He was in the Hitler Youth. He was the commander-in-chief. Mm-hmm. Kind of was able to give us a preview of the sheets. things that might be expected. Human- He's speaking at the UN. Baruch Atar, and I pass the uh, matzah. I think the fact that he's here right on Erev uh, Pesach, I think that is so insulting, man. I think every Jew ought to, like, spit on a TV screen. <laughs> like that. Like Abe Hirschfeld? Like Abe, that's a good, there's a good Jew for you. He's sure a good spitter. Right. He died, didn't he? You <laughs> can only did. hope. Mm-hmm. Oh, Abe Hirschfeld. Hank had him on his show that one time, remember? Yeah. Lost him a bunch yeah. of lollipops. Poor Hank, boy. He's been he's really been through the ringer. How are we going to keep tabs on him? I guess we'll have to watch like like when the Derby is on on May fifth, which is only what? How many weeks away? Three? Today's the eighteenth. About two. Two weeks away. Wow. Now you better get Dave Johnson all greased up and primed oh, for that phone up. call. All right, I'll grease him up. <laughs> I got a bat. <laughs> oh. He's retired now. Somebody said, hey, Dave, retire. What do you think? that you hear all those sirens out there? No. Yeah, you do. I don't yet. Can't hear them? I can nope. open up a window. I don't bother. Oh, they're, they're really, oh there we go. It's uh, some kind of an unmarked car. Something really suspicious is going out there in Hogtown. Let me tell you that right now. I wonder where that name came from, Hogtown. Not I don't know. Grotesque. You think there were a lot of porkers here or something? Or hogs, hog farms, you know, pig farms. Speaking of that, there's your Pope. Yay, he's getting an ovation. Yay, he's standing up. Yay, he's such a bunch of schleppers. He, he looks like an old lady. I, I, I don't want to, like, you know. What? Make any derogatory comments about his holiness about it. Well, I'm just kidding. Of course I do. But, I mean, he looks like an old lady, and he talks like an old lady, uh-huh. too. I'm listening to him yesterday with a Jewish accent. He's talking like uh, an old uh, bubba. Yeah, and he's probably wearing a petticoat. Wouldn't so, uh, I, you know what would be an improvement? And I wonder where would be the petticoat junction. Rectum. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what is the function at the junction. Oh, I sure this, hope he doesn't still have function. wild bleeding uh, diarrhea. Yeah, he, they were waiting for the Pope to address the went All Pope all day, man. That, that's the new deal now. All Pope all day. 125 votes on our second poll today. We, we better start butching up on these polls, man. I mean, when Charlie B. has given me, have you ever killed a possum? Can, can you even imagine the state of mind of someone to send you something like that? 
I'd rather not. I mean, you know something about hallucinogens. He has to be, uh, I, I can't even imagine what kind of drugs he could be doing. Hey, it's nice Maybe. to share. Yeah, nice to share, Charlie. Richard Jordan is next to Gulf Stump. He's bringing up Bagus Crack. This is Neil Rogers. Bagus Crack. 560QAM. Me, sports leader. You bastard. There's a lady in town. Oi. She's an orthodox Jew. And she needs to buy bread that is unleavened. She's buying bread at seven, eleven. Huh? Ooh, and the bread is wonder. Ooh, and the bread is wonder. Ooh, and the bread is really wonder. Have to see some pay talk. Oh, yeah. Well, we sure miss her, I'll tell you that. Badly. Mm -hmm. I think when she passed to the other side, I think that's when, when she uh, passed over. What the hell in the head? When she passed over, yeah. See what this fax is here. Oh, it's a piece of copy. Look new, at that. Revised. revised. Yes. Woo! Boy. I don't want to pee on anybody's parade, but it just strikes me being very bizarre. Remember when Jolly Joe was in there yesterday? And one of the things that he's touting now that we have this new deal is that, well, they're going to like re, uh, they're going to rejigger the um, uh, sales effort toward uh, you know selling the show, whatever that means. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Which is an admission on their part that they haven't been making much of an effort to sell any endorsement spots on this show. Well, that's because Joe's got to do them all, you know. Right. Because he can sing them. I can't sing. Uh, have you tried? No, I don't want to try. Come on. I don't want. I don't want. I mean, I know that I can do better than you feel like you bought from the factory. I, I can do better than that. There it oh, is. Yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> and then the one where he's going, you know, like that, doing the uh, the barking thing. Uh huh. How did that one go? Dog. Yeah, you got it. What? How did that one go? Oh, 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 Like that. Is that how tiny sounded? Tiny sounded? No, it's not how tiny sound. Little dogs don't sound like that. They're like yap, yeah, right? Yeah, little dogs are yappers. Shut your yap, tiny. Or I told you what used to drive him nuts was if he had a can of whipped cream in the refrigerator. Okay. Or like strawberries or ice cream or stuff like that. Ready whip. Yeah. And all you had to do was take the take the canister out of the refrigerator and just shake it. Not even take the cap off yet. And he would come. He would he would jump halfway to the ceiling. He would jump so high. And then he would, like, take the cap off and, you know, spritz out, like, a little bit of it. And he would lap it off the end of the uh, lapper, you know. I see. The nozzle. So if I sound a little nozzle today, it's probably because I had the... A little nozzly. Yeah. Nozzling. Yeah. She's still there, by the way? Oh, yeah. Well, she's been there a long time. Bet you she knows where the bodies are buried. And what about uh, freaky, uh, faggy Carlos? Is she still there? Yeah. Wow. Now, that's a good question. Who is there who's been employed at QM the longest? That's a good question. Well, Robert Creeper had uh, employees interrupt us, so he doesn't count. He's been, you know, out and in, in and out. Although I doubt that. Um, anybody beside them? I'm trying to think. I don't. What about know. Power? What about Power? What about John Jarris? How long has he been there? Good Ed question. Nazi. We'll have to uh, get with personnel. Yeah, if you start investigating all these things, let's find out who's been there the longest and who's going to get canned next. Would be good. 
Michael Isikoff and Mark Hosenball in Newsweek. Now, this is too long to read on air. It's way too long, but it's uh, the Prince and the Prime Minister, a British court slams Bandar Bush and the Brits. Certainly need to uh, pass along some of this so that people can get even angrier about the great low prices of gas. Oh, here's the Pope at the UN. To me to visit the headquarters of this organization and to thank him for the welcome which he's given me. What language is he speaking? The ambassadors and the diplomatic member of state. Sounds like French. Was he speaking in French? I couldn't hear him because there's other this interpreter is like too damn loud. So the peoples that you represent. Merci de vous choisir Canada, whatever. I hate that. Do you have any idea when you call a business here in Canada? Mm-hmm. Press one if you want to continue in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Francais, uh, push uh, all over your phone. Push on it. A scathing British court ruling could create more legal problems for Prince Bandar, a.k.a. Bandar Bush, head of Saudi Arabia's National Security Council and the former Saudi ambassador in Washington, over his alleged role in a massive multi-million dollar bribery scheme involving a major British aerospace firm. The Justice Department's investigating allegations that UK-based British Aerospace Systems, BAE, paid millions of dollars in bribes to Bandar and other Saudi officials in possible violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Bandar, whose close ties to the Bush family earned him the nickname Bandar Bush, has retained former FBI Director Louis Free to represent him in connection with a Justice Department probe. A spokesman said Free was traveling overseas, couldn't be reached for comment. He's mum. Principles of the organization, the desire for peace. Oh, he's talking hockey talk now, the organization. Maybe the spokesman put him up to it. Last week, the British High Court ruled that then-Prime Minister Tony Blair's government may have interfered with the rule of law in December 2006 when it ordered the British government's serious fraud office to shut down its own bribery investigation, allegedly after Bandar threatened to cut off Saudi cooperation with UK terrorism investigations if the inquiry continued. Sounds like blackmail to me. Oh, what do I know? The ruling could pressure the fraud office to reopen its own shuttered investigation into the alleged scandal. Bandar's representatives have repeatedly denied he engaged in any wrongdoing. Right. Crooks of a feather do their crooked crap together. Trust me when I tell you. Big, big, fat crook. Smoking big stogies on the White House patio there and drinking fine, expensive wine. Should only croak. Hubman dreared. Bandar Bush. A U.S. court recently froze Bandar's American assets after a Michigan pension fund with holdings in BAE sued to recover $2 billion in bribes the company allegedly paid Bandar since 1986. $2 billion. Whoa. I bet you we could have a good time with that. Sure. Noting that Bandar had recently sold at least three U.S. properties that it claimed were purchased with BAE bribe money, the pension fund earlier this year persuaded U.S. District Court Judge Rosemary Collier to issue a temporary injunction banning Bandar from selling any more U.S.-based property while the order is in force. Bandar allegedly sold two residences in Aspen, Colorado, one for $8.6 million, another one for a paltry $3.9.25 million, according to court papers filed by the pension fund's lawyers. According to court documents, Bandar still owns his sprawling Halo Ranch, a 95-acre property in Aspen, said to feature 15 bedrooms, 16 bathrooms, a private barbershop and beauty salon, its own sewage treatment plant, sculpture gardens, fish ponds, ski trails, a massive hot tub and barbecue pit large enough to roast goats. The property was valued at $135 million in 2006. It's got its own sewage treatment plant. That's a good thing because you know those Saudis are full of crap. 
Vandar is represented in the pension fund lawsuit by William Bradford Reynolds, the chief of the Justice Department Civil Rights Division. During the Reagan administration, Reynolds didn't respond immediately to a message from Newsweek requesting comment. Of course, they're all mum. What are they going to say? He's a crook? Why not? Although Bandar has been rarely seen in the U.S. over the past year, a senior U.S. official who met with him last year said he occasionally resurfaced to express his pique over the inquiries into the BAE matter. He was mad. He was angry. He was in a sniff. I always said he was full of sniff. Said one U.S. official met with Bandar last year after the Justice Department had begun its probe. He felt he was being treated unfairly. The British court ruling strongly criticized the actions of both Bandar and senior members of the British government, including former Prime Minister Tony Blair. The court said that if a person subject to British criminal law, which Bandar is a foreign government official and diplomat is not, had made the kind of threats to UK officials that the Saudi prince allegedly did, he would be risk being charged with attempt to pervert the course of justice. In Britain, perverting the course of justice is the equivalent of obstruction of justice in the USA, and it goes on. It'll be on our website tomorrow. Read it and weep. Read it and weep. Or maybe it's on there today. Today or tomorrow. Scour those stories, man. Read them. Read them and weep. Or... Read about Jason Taylor and Dancing with the Stars. Ooh. Oh, yeah. He's going to be on, or maybe he already was on, either a Leno or well, one of those late-night shows that nobody watches. I sure don't. To talk about being on Dancing with the Stars. Isn't that exciting? Can you imagine anything more exciting than Jason Taylor being on a late-night talk show? Nothing. Talking about being on Dancing Nothing, with the Stars. Nothing, absolutely. I mean, that to me is so scintillating, I want to just plots. I want to have just oozing, wild, screaming diarrhea for months. Oh, by the way, the Pope has been farting real bad. He had a blueberry omelet this morning, and man, everybody in the, look at that, they're all holding their nose. Or maybe they just don't like what he's saying. <laughs> maybe they don't like the dress. That could be. Your drink is gone Now go and get a real job Nobody called and voted for you On their telephone So drag your butt back Number 31 at 560. That wasn't uh, too amusing or entertaining, but it uh, killed, you know, 45 seconds, something like that. Pope is still hawking a China to the UN. In the face of new repeated challenges, it would be a new error to hide behind a pragmatic approach, which would be limited to establishing common bases with a minimum content. See, here's what I'd like to know. Who the hell is he? Who died and uh, anointed him as the spokesman for the universe, you know? Jesus. Who the hell is he? Huh? Jesus. He's talking to, like, all these other people. Most of these people at the UN, they're, they're not Catholic. So well, what the hell do they care what he's hawking? This is the thing that really pisses me off most about the whole concept of the papacy and the Vatican and all this other, uh, these farbissima Catholics, man. Keep it to yourself, okay? If you want to talk to Catholics, go to a Catholic church and give them a song and a dance. Go to another one of your baseball stadiums and brainwash all those stupid kids. 
But he is, uh, you know, he's, oh, you're wrong. It's the Holy Father, Neil, the Holy Father. Yeah, It's the Holy Papa, For most people, a sneeze is nothing more than an ordinary biological act. One, achoo, and it's over. But for a certain group of enthusiasts, a sneeze means much more. Many swoon over a delicate chew, accompanied by a fine mist. Oh, fine mist. Some like the breathy buildup, some like the release afterward. Others prefer them in series, one after another after another, in a phlegmy trifecta. Oh, I hate that. I can't stand people, you know. I mean, I realize they can't help it. Right. People with allergies and crap. One of my friends can't sneeze once. It's a series of like three or four in rapid succession. It's kind of scary. You want to leave the room. It is. And you wonder if they're ever going to stop. Music to the ears? Maybe not for most, but for those with a sneezing fetish. Hearing, seeing, or having a sneeze tickles them in all the right places. And with allergy season upon us, enthusiasts can look forward to some quality sneezing. Take, for example, the members of Sneeze Fetish Forum. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're kidding, right? Sneeze Fetish Forum, a site with discussion boards related to all things rhinologic. Like Rhino, like Ryan Sandberg probably gets a lot on there. One poster describes a woman who has the cutest sneeze ever. She gives a big, ah, makes the squeaks out of a pinched stifle, and then lets out a loud, chew. Ah, chew. Response posts were alternately congratulatory and envious of the posters' encounters with the sneezer. One wrote, oh, what I wouldn't do to work at a desk beside your co-worker. Another said, that's great. I wish I could make a certain someone allergic to me. Yuck, yuck. The Westbirds have no simple explanation for how sneezing fetishes, indeed, fetishes in general develop. Sneezes themselves are not simple at all. I bet you never really thought about this. Sure I have. I mean, have you? Uh-huh. I'll leave it to you. A sneeze occurs in two phases. During the nasal phase, an irritant, dust particles, allergens, or chemicals, stimulates nerves in the nose. The brain signals nasal blood vessels to dilate and nasal glands to begin producing liquid. These events trigger the diaphragm and muscles in the soft palate to constrict during the respiratory phase. The eyes close as the body prepares to forcefully expel air and with it the irritant through the nose. The process moves rather quickly, but a person with a sneeze fetish can find erotic pleasure in those few seconds, and experts are stumped as to why. Erotic pleasure? Yeah. No. Though they find creative ways to describe what's going on in the mind. That's like saying you have erotic pleasure when you fart, you know. You know what? Wouldn't surprise me. Which, by the way, Charlie B., one of his polls, not just have you ever killed a possum, which he said that one was going to be for a day when you were hosting, but I don't know what that means. Well, I had some possum problems, uh... At the house there. Yeah. So? So, yeah, there you go. I mentioned possums and does uh, so. Yeah, right away he's got a pull on it. Here's another one. Men's Health Magazine says the average guy farts 10 to 14 times a day. This is blank. About right for me, would I fart in a week or would I fart in an hour? 10 to 14 times a day. You know, I haven't counted. Maybe you should no, I, I never counted either. I guess if you have a fart fetish, you know, you probably will count the number of uh, cheesy right. blasts. But anyway, though they find creative ways to describe what's going on in the mind and body when it comes to sex, both therapists and researchers know little about how sexual behaviors develop. Some theories propose humans know what or what doesn't appeal to us sexually by age 8. Others say arousal patterns continue to develop throughout the teen years and beyond. But fetishes tend to be deep-seated, often formed at a young age. I mean, for example, if I was like 9, 10 years old and saw Stephen, uh, what's his name? Straight. Straight. I would have gotten really uh, turgid, I think. Suppose a child, oh, my God. Suppose a child were playing with him or herself 
And at the same time, they hear someone in the next room sneeze, said Linda DeVillers, a L.A. sex therapist and psychologist. The connection is made. What? But beyond a personal fetish, sneezing may mimic other sexual behaviors, especially orgasms. It might be a good psychological parallel or metaphor, said Howard Ruppel, dean of the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco. It's like a build-up and let-go or release. Yeah, so it's like a bad BM, I would say. You know, nothing sexy about that. Especially if you still got your pants on. But others say this theory is nonsense. Developing sexual behaviors, including kinks and fetishes, is a highly individual process, they say. Like processed cheese product. A person with a fetish places great sexual importance on and becomes intensely aroused by inanimate objects, although body parts like hands and feet are often fetishized as well. These objects are... How did a story that started about sneezing uh, come into this? Well, I guess it's because of that uh, sneezing fetish. These objects are required in conjunction with sexual activity for a person to be turned on. According to Daniel Water, a sex therapist and clinical psychologist in New Jersey, the clinical definition of a fetish has a pathological component as well. In order to be a dis- diagnosable thing, that interest has to create some distress within the person or inability to work or live their life in some way, Water said. The element of being distressed is crucial. I'm distressed right now. The Pope says, how do you like distress? That we, don't, we don't like distress. A fetish can disturb a partnership if it becomes the primary focus of a couple's sex life. The village described a couple she knew who engaged in bondage during sex. The man needed to tie up his girlfriend in order to be sexually functional, sex therapist Devillo said. She went along with it. She probably found it fun. But bondage and sex became too intertwined with the couple's love life. Unless she was tied up, the man wasn't interested in his girlfriend, and she began to feel unattractive and unhappy, Devillo said. Maybe she was unattractive. Maybe she was a beast. Is it healthy to have a creative, playful variety in your sex life? Yes, Devillo said. When it becomes very ritualized, it isn't much fun, it's mandatory, and odds are it's ultimately not going to be very satisfying. And this goes on forever. Uh, fetishes and but a beep, but a boop. I, I don't. I mean, you sneeze. That's all. You sneeze, get it over with, and move on with it. And, and don't wipe your nose on your sleeve. Well, you, have you ever seen that? Kids all the time. That. Kids do that. Not lot. just kids. Adults oh, wipe yeah. their nose on Slugs. their sleeve. Oh, on their sleeves, on their hands, on the back of their hand. Maybe Charlie B. Could come up with a poll about that. Not. Oh, he's just, you know. I think he must have had a great time in Europe because whatever he was doing right. over there obviously affected his mind. Listen, they can't all be good. Him. You know, just keep sending them. We'll sort out the good ones. Uh, they you can't know, all be good, but you know, one or two would be really, would, would be a nice change. Now, we did have one good one he sent a couple. I don't know what it was. It couldn't have been that great. It skips my mind. How's Chris doing there? Are you still alive? I'm here. 189 votes on your second poll. Now, what did we have on the first one? Nine, nine something, didn't we? We had 9.10, I believe. 9.11. Well, there you go. You're way over 1,000, and it's a Friday. It's the day before Pesach, no less. The Corpus Day. The best town. Major America. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. It's Fatwa Friday, you bastards. Uh, how may I be helping you today? Hey, would you please be having a blue slurpee? G-G. We are having a sale on cameras. R-K-G-G. We have had about many flavors. I'm afraid that is not feasible. Who can tell you everything? My skin may be brown, but inside I think. Yes, it's true, we put our women in bags. It is only because they smell so bad. You can blame a group for the actions of a group, but we don't all drink our wee wee. Smell like our poop. Excuse my making fun of me. I shave off my beard with my face clean. 
745 at 560 WQAM. Happy Pesach. Happy Friday. Happy, uh, whatever. Whatever you're celebrating. Happy Pappy. Slap Happy. All right, I will. If you want to take some calls? I don't. Well, let me take a look at my pile here now. Boy, I got an article by Ted Rawl, your favorite. Mm hmm. I just, oh, Texas inmate cons his way into Idaho ballot. That's kind of cute, but that's way down the list. I don't think we'll get to that. But you never know. I think we'll just keep rolling along, you know, singing a song. All right. And if we have time for calls later, like at about 2.30, you know. Curtis will be on for uh, jerks today, by the way, between 2 and 4. I just mentioned that in passing. Indeed. The Holy See has always had a place at the assemblies of the nations, thereby manifesting its specific character as a subject in the international domain. In the international um, uh, toilet. My God, he sounds like an old uh, grandma, an old Bobby. Doesn't he? Yes, he does. Like an old lady. Papa, with those little silly red shoes, those pumps. Very stylish. There's One of the one. most... Wa- what? what? Huh? Sorry. Never Can heard. I do this story or not? Oh, if you want. What were you about to say there? I said there's no question. Very stylish. The dress... All of it, the whole the gear. Kepala, the whole thing, man. Those glasses went out with uh, white bucks. Somebody needs to get him uh, a new fashion coordinator for his glasses. Maybe he could get some bifocals like uh, Carl Levin. And who was the other one with the bifocals? Uh... Oh, I forgot. Herman Munster. Oh, no, it was, uh, what's his name from uh, ABC News? Charlie Gibson. See, it took me a second to think of it, because I don't watch Charlie Gibson, I don't watch ABC News. And after that debate the other night, probably nobody else will again either. What a joke. Anyway, speaking of TV news people, one of the most watched newsmen of our time warned Katie Couric that it wouldn't be easy when she traded her popular perky role on the Today Show for the more serious CBS Evening News. You suck, Katie. I told her when she left that it's a dive off the high board. Tom Brokaw told Media Biz this week during a visit to Boston, this is harder than it looks to go from the morning to the evening. Especially when you have a bad speech impediment and can't speak, Tom. And Brokaw should know. He, too, was hosting NBC's Today Show before he began anchoring the Peacock Network's Nightly News, Nightly News, solo in 83, a post he held for more than two decades, astonishingly. Nightly News. I think they made a number of mistakes in terms of how they marketed her and what their approach to news was, Brokaw added. But the last thing I'm going to do is get involved in Katie's business. Brokaw was years into his anchoring career before he owned the top rating spot, stealing it from longtime frontrunner ABC's World News Tonight with Peter Jennings' rest in pieces. Brokaw was number one from 97 until his departure in 2004. While Cork was a rating success in the morning, her newscast has lagged in third place after 19 months on the job. Her numbers are like Joel Feinberg. Oh! Kirk reportedly could be calling it quits before a $15 million a year contract is up in 2011. News of her possible exit surfaced after CBS-owned stations across the country slashed staffs and some high-profile personalities, including WBZ-TV sports legend Bob Lobel. See, this is what's going on in this business, radio and TV. They're slashing and burning, baby. Don't quit! And they are. People watch people, said Brokaw, who was at Tufts University for the 100th anniversary Edward R. Murrow Memorial Conference. 
Brokaw said the legendary Merle was popular not just because he had great integrity, but also because he was a great broadcaster. He had a way of, great way of presenting the news, and so people felt engaged by him, Brokaw said. Same way with Walter Cronkite, or any of those successful people, who didn't have a speech impediment, by the way, like... I mean, that Edward R. Murrow, he was the epitome of journalism. Mm-hmm. He actually said that on the air. The epitome. Now, this is a great intellectual, a brilliant journalist. Well, anybody can make a mistake, you know, the epitome. Right. I mean, I butcher all those words that Maureen Dowd puts in her New York Times column. Nobody hey. complains about that because most of them don't know what they are anyway. That's right. Nobody has Including a chance Maureen. She's probably got a pseudo-intellectual uh, writer who, who throws those words into her columns. Because she just doesn't seem like the artsy-fartsy type to me. She seems kind of like a plain Jane, you know? Although maybe she is a pseudo-intellectual. Oh, the Pope is done there at the U.N. Uh, underscore that leaders should work together Take in solidarity me out to the, ball the game. Let's hear it for Papa. All right, Poppy. Hi, Poppy. Inequities across the board. Yeah. Talking about a lot of crap. But they met with some of the uh, survivors of uh, abuse by priests. And they said, oh, we feel so bad about it, you should only know. And they said, oh, mm-hmm. great. You know, they're just uh, easy. People are very easy. Yeah, they are. Especially when you wear an outfit like that. You know, it's kind of intimidating. Oh, yeah, I'd be intimidated by that. That's right. Speaking of that, Representative Barney Frank of Massachusetts has made good on his promise to introduce what he called the Make Room for Serious Criminals Bill on March 21st. Oh, I see, on a March 21st appearance on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. Co-sponsoring the bill are representatives Ron Paul of Texas, Maurice Hinchy of New York, Dana Rohrbacher of California, and Sam Farr of California. Congressman Barney Frank has introduced bipartisan legislation aimed at removing federal restrictions on the individual use of marijuana. One bill would remove federal penalties for the personal use of marijuana, and the other versions of which Frank has filed in several preceding sessions of Congress would allow the medical use of marijuana in states that have chosen to make its use for medical purposes legal with the doctor's recommendation. Representative Ron Paul joined Frank as a sponsor, co-sponsor of the federal penalties bill. The co-sponsors of the medical marijuana bill, I just got through telling you. Congressman Frank released the following statement explaining the legislation. Talks like he's got a mouthful. Well, I think it is poor law enforcement to keep on the books legislation that establishes as a crime something which, in fact, society does not seriously wish to prosecute. In my view, having federal law enforcement agents engaged in the prosecution of people who are personally using marijuana is a waste of scarce resources better used for serious crimes. In fact, this type of prosecution often meets with public disapproval. The most frequent recent examples have been federal prosecutions of individuals using marijuana for medical purposes in states that have voted, usually by public referenda, to allow such use. Because current federal law has been interpreted as superseding state law in this area, most states that have made medical use of marijuana legal have been unable to actually implement their laws. When doctors recommend the use of marijuana for their patients and states are willing to permit it, I think it's wrong for the federal government to subject either the doctors or the patients to criminal prosecution. More broadly speaking, the norm in America is for the states to decide whether particular behavior should be made criminal. To make the smoking of marijuana, whether for medical purposes or not, one of those extremely rare instances of federal crime, literally to make a federal case out of it, is wholly disproportionate to the activity involved, said Barney Fagg. We do not have federal criminal prohibitions against drinking booze, and there generally are no criminal penalties for the use of tobacco at the state and federal levels for adults. There is no rational argument for treating marijuana so differently from these other substances, Barney B. Sand. To those who say that the government should not be encouraging the smoking of marijuana, my response is that I completely agree. But it's a great mistake to divide all human activity into two categories, those that are criminally prohibited and those that are encouraged. 
In a free society, there must be a very considerable zone of activity between those two poles in which people are allowed to make their own choices as long as they're not impinging on the rights, freedom, or property of others. I believe it's important with regard to tobacco, marijuana, and alcohol, among other things, that we strictly regulate the age at which people may use these substances, and enforcement of age restrictions should be firm. That's what the Pope says, it should be firm. But criminalizing choices that adults make because we think they are unwise ones, when the choices involved have no negative effect on the rights of others, is not appropriate in a free society. If the laws I'm proposing pass, states will still be free to treat marijuana as they wish, but I don't believe that the federal government should treat adults who choose to smoke marijuana as criminals. Federal law enforcement is a serious business, and we should be concentrating our efforts in this regard on measures that truly protect the public. Amen. That a boy, Barney Fag. You go. You go, girl. How do you like that? He's great. He should have a designated speaker, though. You know how they have designated yeah, he, in baseball? He broke oh, I can't understand a word he's saying. Yeah. Now, where's that thing about Barney Fagg? It's under Dick Army. Oh, yeah. No, I like peace and quiet, and I don't need to listen to Barney Fagg. Barney Frank ringing in my ear because I made a few bucks off a book I worked on. Yeah, you tell him, Dick. Anyway, how's that poll coming, Chris? Are you uh, really You ought to be thrilled to death. Oh, I'm so yeah. happy about it. 907. 90 what on the first one? 907? Oh, no, 9-11. 9-11. Uh -huh. Oh, that sounds ominous. And 209 on this one, that's 11-11. No, 11:20. You're going to make over 1,200 votes with these two polls combined on a Friday, no less. During now, Pesach usually is not a good time for us, but I guess we've already chased all the Jews away. At least I have. So, right? Why? How? I, I don't know. Who, who knows? Because I'm making fun of uh, the matzah and Pesadiki candy and all this other caca, uh, man. Well, it's something caca. to do. You know, it's a reason to get the family together and sit around the table, drink a little bit of wine. <coughs> Part a lot like that. I wonder if he had kishki on Pesach. There's no meat in it. Right. There now, that, that's fat. an interesting point. Well, wait a minute. There's beef fat. Because kishkis are intestines. Correct. And the food yeah. product is, is wrapped inside of the lining of the intestine. Correct. You don't eat that unless you're a crazy person. Right. I guess you could do it once. But... Um, so I'm curious because the 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 lining of the uh, cow's stomach or whatever that is that 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 rings around the akishka mm -hmm. does that make it uh, trafe? You can't eat that. It's probably not kosher for Pesach kishka. I don't know. As if well, I remember suggested I go eat at that deli that they took me to a hundred miles from here uh, that a few you years ago. That one, that nightmare deli. Yeah, with the bad tables where I was banging mm -hmm. my knee because every time I tried to move, because the table was about the size of your thumb. Kind of like the tip that Rimmer left, the size of a thumb. I'll never forget his daughter was so aghast. She let out a lot. Oh, my. When, when he, uh, you know, took yeah. the, the check. The waitress put the check in the middle of the table. He grabbed it and shoved it over, and she, like, <gasps> couldn't believe it. Really? I guess she didn't realize how cheap Daddy really is. What's the biggest name. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. This is Mark Morgan. It's the 12 to 1 hour on QAM. Norma Camp. Mr. Camp, uh, this is Clear Channel. Uh, we're prepared to offer you. Let's see, uh, there's my Mickey Mantle rookie card. Norma Camp. Hello, Mr. Camp. This is XM. Uh, we're looking for an anchor show for our network. And would you. Uh... Where's my Ed Crane pool? There it is. Norma Camp. Hello, Mr. Camp. This is Bill Coffinson. If only I could find my Marv Throneberry. Oh, Norma Camp. Ho, ho! Joe Bell. Hi, Joe. Oh, 
I'm just calling to let you know an agreement for more of the same of nothing to go nowhere is still underway. Ho, 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 ho! Okay. Ooh. What? I found my shoeless Joe Jackson card with the ringtone. La, la. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. So when's your big uh, meet, your big uh, sit-down with Jolly Jody, you know? I, don't, Jolly I Jody. don't know. Well, why not? Because he hasn't said. He was in there yesterday morning, man, just kissing your ass and looks, oh. you know, looky, looky, looky. And... I must have missed that. No, you did not. You had to go and towel off, for Christ's sake. Okay. 222 and none of the above. I told you we needed to put that on there. Is winning. 71, winning easy. Parents wouldn't disown you. I mean, what kind of parents would that be? Crappy parents, right? Which right. there's plenty of. Sure. See, this whole concept is really cockeyed, the idea that everybody is cut out to be a parent. Right. It's just ridiculous. I mean, some people can't, they can't make it on their own, much less raise a child. They have difficulty even getting out of bed in the morning and figuring out which uh, hand to wipe their ass with, much less uh, having any parenting skills. But nevertheless, I guarantee you, Chris will be a great daddy, though, someday. Why, thank you. Or maybe not. I don't know. I think you'd be a good one. No, I would not. Oh, please, please. Okay, good mother. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> not even. Democratic Senator Barack Obama dismissively talked about his debate with Senator Swillery Clinton and the line of questioning from ABC's news moderators, arguing that it focused on political trivia at the expense of the problems facing average voters. You know something? No. Well, before I do that story, there's one in here that is so much better. Well, I mean, I'm going to read that, too, of course. Oh, here it is. It's by Steve Young, who's great on Smirking Chimp. 51 to 11, the odds that ABC knows how to run a presidential debate. He says, I sat in my press seat at the Philadelphia Kimmel Center checking my watch. It was either running fast or I'd been swept into a space-time continuum that was about to swallow up any semblance of a learning experience. Unfortunately, it was the latter. It took 52 minutes before ABC anchor and debate moderator Charlie Gibson decided to ask an actual policy question. The 51 minutes prior were filled with questions concerning verbal gaffes, personal associations, and whether each candidate would select each candidate as their vice president, which anyone with half a moderator's mind would know how the candidates would answer anyway. The first policy question concerned Iraq, and that tit-for-tat lasted exactly 11 minutes, 51 to 11. 51 minutes involving Reverend Wright, William Ayers, flagpins, and Bosnia fables, 11 minutes on how to deal with what had caused hundreds of thousands of deaths, hundreds of billions of dollars in cash, and devastation out of military readiness. 51 to 11. Major issue of symmetry or the odds against the country making an intelligent decision for president. 51 to 11. Important presidential debate. More like talk radio minutia. Somewhere at Fox News, my buddy Sean Hannity had to be popping champagne. He and the rest of the Lords of Loud had shaped the Democratic debate. No fault of Hannity, he's just doing his job. Too bad Gibson and Step on top of us didn't do theirs. 51 to 11, an insult to intelligence, the American voter, and time. And as usual, Steve Young, not the football player, is... Absolutely correct, sir. The columnist, not the football queen, not the player. 225 on Chris's poll there, man. He's kicking ass, and I told you, none of the above is winning way ahead of everybody else. But if I put it out right at the beginning, what? I should have listened to you earlier. Told you. Now, what about the... Uh, Possum one. What about it? 
We're going to do it. I, no, I'm not going to do it. I mean, it was bad enough that I kind of doing that one about the what's your favorite sandwich filling. Well, we could dress it up a little bit. Yeah, dress the, what, the possum like the Pope. Dress him up like the Pope. Put a little yeah. dress and a, and a little sure. uh, beanie on him. Give him a yarmulke. Possums. I don't even know what a, I know what raccoons look like. Let me email you. And I know what armadillos look like. Out, out by me, out there in the hinterlands. There's all them kind of varmints, although mostly raccoons. They're everywhere. I'll send you a picture. They look like big a rats. A possum. They look like rats? Like a big rat. Really? Tree rat, the prehensile tail. Now, maybe that's what I had in the attic there, because we had them uh, varmint uh, killers come and get them. But what uh -huh. they were doing is they were staying in the trees, and then they were, like, tiptoeing across and finding an opening in the attic and sneaking in there, the whole damn family. And, of course, we had the trees trimmed, and, of course, and also the uh, opening smeared uh, down. So they can't get in there no more. They have a white face, little pink eyes. Well, that's great. Sounds so cute. Yeah. Shoot them. You know what else they also have? Rabbis. Yeah, you're not allowed to shoot them or even harass them. What, possums? You can't even speak rudely to them. What do you mean you can't shoot that's them? Based on what? Based on their indigenous wildlife. And get out of here. You can't shoot a possum? Do I have to send you the literature? Get out of here, Meg. Get out of here, Meg. Code enforcement came to the door. Have we had any more uh, faxes about her lately or not? No. Oh, good. Wait, 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 wait. Randy, I don't hate you at all. Congratulations. I'm get out of here, Meg. Get out of here, Meg. I did like that. I like the fact that she told Bob Green to stuff it and also the people at Scare America. I don't like the fact that she's a ripoff, but that's beside the point. Democratic Senator Barack Obama dismissively talked about his debate with Senator Swillery and Delana questioning from ABC News moderators arguing it focused on political trivia at the expense of the problems facing average voters. And, of course, he's absolutely correct. And thank God I only saw a few minutes of it. I forgot about it. At a rally in the May 6th primary state of North Carolina, Obama drew roars of approval yesterday when he mocked aspects of the presidential debate that had him on the defensive Wednesday night. He faced tough questions about his controversial pastor, his comments about bitter voters in small towns, and his relationships with the 1960s radical. Deadpanning, the Illinois senator says, it doesn't get much more fun than these debates. They're inspiring events. In criticism of his rival, he called the debate the rollout of the Republican campaign against me in November and said it represented textbook Washington politics that Clinton was very comfortable playing. They like stirring up controversy. They like playing gotcha games, getting us to attack each other. He said, Senator Clinton looked in her element. She was taking every opportunity to get a dig in here, a dig in there. That's her right to kind of twist an eye a little bit. That's the lesson she learned when Republicans did it to her in the 90s. The Obama campaign also sought to capitalize on the debate, sending out a fundraising appeal titled Gotcha and soliciting $25 donations. Last night, I think we set a new record because it took us 45 minutes before we even started talking about a single issue that matters to the American people, Obama told the North Carolina crowd. 45 minutes before we heard about health care. 45 minutes before we heard about Iraq. 45 minutes before we heard about jobs. 45 minutes before we heard about gas prices. ABC News' Charles Gibson, with those stupid bifocals and George Stepp on top of us, pointedly questioned Obama and Clinton politely challenged her rival. When you're running for the presidency, you've just kind of let it, Obama said, pretending to flick lint off his pants and jacket. He flicked it. Another debate between the two seems unlikely. Obama had agreed to a debate in North Carolina on Saturday. Clinton's agreed to a debate April 27 in Raleigh, sponsored and televised by CBS News. But uh, they're not going to have any more debates, said Obama. He said, I'll be honest with you, now we've had 21. It's not as if we don't know how to do these things. I could deliver Senator Clinton's lines, and I'm sure she could deliver mine. 
Later, taking a question from a fourth-grade boy who said he'd been elected as class representative at school, Obama asked, how many debates did you have to have? None, the boy replied. None. That sounds good, Obama said. None. As in, ain't getting none. I'm sure he's getting some. Plenty. Does that make him a bad guy? Does it make him not all-American like Tom Brady? Makes him a con. Like that old cocker that called in that day. Oh, I thought he was a clean-cut boy. He may be cut. I'll do some investigative work for you, okay, and find out about that part of it. Clean, I don't know. Although clean and cut generally go hand in gland. Gland in hand. Isn't that what the Pope said? Oh, look at that. Oil surpasses $116 a barrel. Oh! All right, thank you, Mr. President and your Saudi butcher friends for raping the world. Another record. Gas now, three forty-five a gallon, the national average for regular. three forty-five a gallon. Paying considerably more, forking out a whopping three eighty-four a gallon. Now over in New Jersey here, they're getting a steal. Average there, only three. That sounds like that Queen Ellie Felching. Can't you hear the runaway yeses? Gas prices almost yeah, every him. day on issue number one, but it's one thing to talk about the price of a gallon of gas. It's another entirely to have the opportunity to hear how all of you out there are coping with rising costs. So we've decided to ask you. So I'm filling up every half a tank, so it doesn't look so bad. But it's costing me about a hundred and fifty dollars a week, and you, you know you're very you're very. Well, maybe a diet could help. Look at that fat slob. You see that guy there? No. Oh my God! Well, this guy don't look all that fat. The first one was a re real pork. We could cut down on the uh, food a little bit and make room for the gas. Although right now, with that kind of a, a puppet, he's probably making plenty of gas of his own. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Friday, you bastard. Well, she once was the Attorney General. When she was in charge, it was business as usual. One up woman, and let me tell you, that's no bull. Or maybe she is. Well, now all of the Democrats are loving her. Ever since she said she might run for governor. Well, there's just one question I'd like to ask of her. Why do you shake, Janarino? 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 Well, you gotta lick a bush if you wanna take control. Oh! Trump 16 at 560 WQAM. Happy pace off. Get out the matzah and the wine. No kishki, though. Oh, speaking of food, wait till you hear this. Okay. Are you eating anything today or what? Done eating. From Howie's. Howie's? Had a sandwich. Sandwich? Yeah, a good one. With bread? Oh, yeah. You love bread. I do. I like bread. And what about uh, Chris there, Fat Chris? Nothing. Because of the molar. See. Because of the tooth Zip business. Zip What? Yeah, uh, I don't want to eat anything after getting the uh, recent... Well, that's right. You got your cap fell off, your temporary cap. And he had to go to the dentist and uh, came in late this morning, very late. And Josh Cordes stuck his nose in there for about ten seconds, pretending he was going to, like, fill in for you. He didn't know. Well, he was a very nice guy and said if I didn't make it, he would have started the show. Well, wasn't that sweet of him, huh? Maybe you can send him a check for a thousand. If I had a thousand. A row over a packet of pistachio nuts. 
led a New Zealand man to being beaten to death outside a Sydney pub. Damien Peter Hopper, 29, is on trial for murdering John... What? Nothing. Peter Hopper? Yeah. I don't call that. I, I'm sure. He's on trial for murdering John Hanui Tamapu, 25, a security oh, guard, better. outside a Mortdale Hotel in Southern Sydney, April 2005. The New South Wales Supreme Court was told that Mr. Tamapu died from head injuries after being repeatedly punched by Hopper. Remember Dennis Hopper? He was... Um, yeah. On Perry Mason. What the, was that character? I don't know. From Perry Mason? The, the lawyer, his good buddy, the detective. The, He's been in so many good movies. I know him from that stuff. Who? Dennis Hopper. No, not Dennis Hopper. Hedda Hopper. Whatever. Oh. Uh, whatever he, he was. His name was something Hopper. Popper Hopper. <laughs> not Dennis Hopper. Everybody knows who Dennis Hopper is. No, this was the guy that played... Um, oh, I can't think of his name. Google Perry Mason, uh, Chris. Yeah, that dead, uh, what was his name, William Tragg, who was uh, Hamilton Berger? There was only, like, about, in Della Street. Now, Della Street was the mother of that William Cat that played in uh, your right. favorite song, or show, America's Biggest, Greatest Show. Uh, yeah, right. He was cute. But anyway, and so there were only, like, four or five characters. There was Perry Mason and the uh, DA and the, the judge, and then this guy, and Della Street. You don't remember him? Nope. Are you Googling Raymond or what? Burr, William Hopper, Barbara William, Ho- William Hopper. Okay, so I had the wrong first name. Obviously, we got Dennis Hopper on our mind. Okay, it's a little more contemporary, okay? Even for an old fart like me. William Hopper. And what's the, what's the name of the character? Paul Drake. Paul Drake. There you go. Don't remember that? No. I remember that. He was in the second most episodes after Raymond Burr. Well, see, there you go. The accused had been out celebrating with teammates from a St. George Region Rugby League team when his group encountered Mr. Tempapu and his flatmate and brother-in-law, William McCall. Flatmate. We need to do this again, man. Best TV thing. Sure. We haven't done it in a long, Bunch. long time. We haven't done it in a possum's age. Look at that hot blonde chick on CNN. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. She is real pretty, man. Even though got a pretty like male. Huh? She's got a pretty male. Yeah. Anyway, McCall, can you, I do this story? It's very, uh... Yeah, boring. yeah. Mr. McCall bought a packet of pistachio nuts from a late night store outside the pub. Hopper asked if he could have some nuts. Mr. McCall told him to go and buy his own, but Hopper persisted. He wanted his nuts. When Mr. Tempapu stepped in to help his friend, Hopper ripped his shirt off, ready to fight and shout him, I should just smash you. Hopper swung a punch at Mr. Tempapu, who fell over, hitting his head on the ground with a thud. The accused jumped on top of him and hit him in the face about eight to ten times, Mr. McCall told the jury. He said Mr. Tempapu was lying on the floor with his arms by his sides as Hopper kneeled over him during the attack. Hopper's barrister, Tanya Ever, said... The fall on the concrete caused a fatal skull fracture. Oh, he is fatal. He died. Yeah. Over a uh, pistachio. Well, if he would have let him have his nuts. Goes to show you. When somebody wants your nuts, surrender. Is that a fact? I love eating nuts. Speaking of nuts, it really wasn't necessary. Okay, I've had enough with him already. Have you? And it's not a knock on him. It's a knock on Joe Rose with that beast stuff already. My God. Talk about an obsession. Jesus, God. 
But nevertheless, I don't want to start interfering, you know, because I open up a mouth and right away, oh, Neil's picking on Joe now and about, uh, you know, uh, Jax and everybody. Of course, wasn't it Joe that wanted Jax to come over from across the street with him? Wasn't that his decision? Yes, I believe so. Goes to show you that he's, he's slipping, man, the little dog. He's just, I think, too much uh, hanky-spanky with Joel Feinberg over there. I think all that contretemps across the street affected his mind. The Florida Senate yesterday debated and passed an amendment to impose a $60 fine on truck nuts. The novelty vehicle adornment attached to trailer hitches that resembled the dangling southern end of a northbound bull. It's got a picture of it right here. Truck yeah, nuts. They're all over the place down here. Are they really nuts? Yeah. Yeah, well, they're faux nuts. They're what? Yeah, they're faux well, people who are nuts. Fags. The popular accessory to truck trailer hitches is on its way to being subject to a fine in the bill debated, albeit delicately, on the center floor yesterday. Although lawmakers said they're widespread in North Florida, the bill says that displaying reproductions of the bull's genitalia, one version has the brand name truck nuts, on a vehicle or a trailer can lead to a $60 fine, charges of a moving violation, and points against the driver's license. I mean, come on. Wow. Jesus, God, this is what you people in the legislature are worrying well, about? Somebody wants to look like a faggot, let them. Oh, my God. Why, why only faggots have nuts? Is that it? No, no, but only, uh, only gay men want to show nuts. other men their parts. The ban was proposed by Senator Kerry Baker, Republican of Eustis, who said the items are not appropriate, even though he sees a lot of them in his district. Other members agreed on their popularity, but questioned how worthwhile a crackdown might be. Senator Jim King, uh, Republican of Jacksonville, said he had a set of one on one of his vehicles, which he described as all pimped out. They're no more than an expression of truckliness, he said, although he yeah, acceded yeah. to his wife's request to take them off. Take off those nuts. And then she was amazed when she found out that he could. Wives always do that. Yeah, strap-ons. Other members found the fine excessive, and some thought the whole matter absurd, to which I would say, Absolutely Oh, is there any doubt? I find it shocking we tell people with metallic testicles on their bumpers that this is a violation, said Senator Steve Geller, Democrat of Hallandale. There's got to be better things for us to be spending time debating. You go, Steve. Talking about bull nuts. Geller suggested this ban might be followed by prohibiting silhouettes of nude women on truck mud flaps or decals depicting a small boy relieving himself on another truck logo. We're basically going to have the bumper police, King said. All their concerns are legitimate, Baker said to the critics, and I do have more important things to do this session, but I think this is important, too. Right. Maniac. Baker said he's heard from many people who don't like seeing the novelties. So the ones who complain will like it. My wife will like it, he said, of potential ramifications. Ram, ram your forna, fornication. As for others' concerns that lawmakers may be headed down the slippery slope, as King said about the ban, Baker said any time you deal with obscenity, it's a large gray area, but he believes the ban is worthwhile. Obscenity. Although bull genitalia is currently in fashion, Baker said he used the words reproductive glands in the bill because other versions could be reproduced later, like possum glands, possum nuts. Oh, there you go. Yeah, or, or uh, numb nuts. I sent you a possum picture, by the way. Oh, great. I can't wait to see it. The bill was debated Thursday, and it could be Jim Walt Woods used to do the Red Sox and the Pirates games. Bob Prince nicknamed him the Possum. Did you know that? No. He was a good, great guy, also on the Yankee games, too, Jim Woods. Got fired in 63 along with Mel Allen and Red Barber. The best three broadcasters team in the history of baseball, and the CBS fired their ass. So CBS deserves whatever, Katie Couric losing all that money, whatever grief they get, they deserve it. You suck, CBS. The House version, however, doesn't have the ban, and some senators question whether House leaders would unleash that debate. Baker said he didn't check with the House sponsor on the change. Debate on the ban began Wednesday, but the discussion became so high-spirited that Senate leaders postponed the matter. 
We're not going to have what happened yesterday, Senate President Ken Pruitt warned committee chairman before going on the floor yesterday, but an effort to remove the ban failed on close-sounding voice vote called by Pruitt, a decision some members found surprising. But the Senate President is always right on such calls, King said. Yaddy, 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 ha, 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 hearty, har. Wasting your taxpayer time and money, it's unbelievable is what it is, totally. Unbelievable. And unacceptable, too. Worrying about bull nuts and numb nuts. And just nuts in general. Jesus. Oh, it's obscene. Everything's obscene. It's uh, very offensive. You know what's offensive to me? Uh, all those uh, Getschke uh, bumper stickers. About uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, well, what's all that crap about a carpenter? Well, you know the one about... Um, my boss is a Jewish my carpenter. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. That's the one, yeah. In case That's offensive fracture, to me. It's stupid. It's stupid in the eye. How about my boss yeah. is Karen Carpenter? How do you like that? How about My that? boss sings like Karen Carpenter. Those choose life tags, which are against the Constitution. Yeah, that's right. That's another fat-ass Jeb Bush deal there. Choose life my ass. Phony bunch of garbage. See, it's okay to put that on there, which is offensive to anybody with a, with a brain, any open-minded, uh, reasonable person. But, oh, uh, numbnuts. Oh, my God. Let's, let's have a 20-hour debate on that. Let's have a referendum on it. What do you say? Let's have a special election on nuts. <laughs> Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Well, he's a Tallahassee Nazi. Who got the money from his daddy. And as I said, my little bratty. With an agenda that's crappy. Well, he's a Tallahassee Nazi. Double day of L.A. Well, he's a presidential son who doesn't have to run. No one else is going to win. He might as well just move right in. He has a golden spoon. He was born with a pizzazz. So look out, all you Jews. Get ready for the gas. He's a Tallahassee Nazi. Oh, is our civil rights the whammy. Cause he's a Tallahassee Nazi. Love of FLA. Well, he's a very wealthy dude with very fascist views who never paid his dues. By next year, we'll all be screwed. Any schmuck could win that race against Buddy McKay. Why do you think they call it gubernatorial anyway? He's a Tallahassee Nazi. He'll make the KKK happy. Yeah, he's a Tallahassee Nazi. Love of FLA. Yeah, he put the goober into uh, gubernatorial, and of course the current governor, he put the gay into governor. I'm eating another weenie. I can tell. My, my last one. Uh-oh. Well, I can't make the bacon today because I got no... Uh, no um, paper towels. Paper towels. Well, forgot to go get some. You can't make bacon without paper towels. I mean, you could. That's a fact, though. What? You need paper towels. For yeah, you got to mat off all that fat. you got to mat the fat. Remember Mac the Knife? How about Mac the Fat? Mmm. These aren't kosher either, by the way. They're trade. Oh. Well, paste off ain't till tomorrow night. Don't, don't be eating on the air. Too late. And definitely don't be talking with food in your mouth, okay? Remember you got that email from Jolly Joe? Uh-huh. Many moons ago? Oh, yeah. From some stupid listener out there? Uh-huh. 
It's disgusting the way that George eats on here. Of course, I do yeah. too, but, you know. Yeah. He liked it because they were ripping you an ass. Mm-hmm. Although there was that period of time when he was sending me every negative email he got. Remember that? That's right. The terrible things he says about the president. I wonder if he's getting any about the things I said about the Pope. Too bad. Because they're all true. Butcher. Lunatic. Dispenser of Stone Age crap. Businessman. No, he's a, he's a very successful businessman. Whoever becomes the Pope automatically is a success. Unlike George W., who was, you know, he had it handed him on a, on a silver platter, and he still failed at everything he tried. Texas Rangers, the oil company, everything, he had to be bailed out. And now, of course, most of the American public were looking to get bailed out. 278 votes on the pool. There's that alley felching again. Like that, is, is, does it? Now, you know that term, egghead? Turn on CNN. Yeah, no, I'm on there. I always right? thought that. That's egghead. Great I mean, egg powdered egg. I mean, egghead like a real egg. Sure. Like a two-minute egg, or is it a three-minute egg? He, he better stay in the house during, like, Easter time, or little kids are going to be grabbing his head and running off. <laughs> oh, yeah, and painting it. Painting it and rolling it around on a White House sure. lawn. Well, one thing about this year, man, I had a big separation between Easter and Pesach. I don't know why. What do you think? I'm, I'm not going to Huh? I want to finish this weenie. There's only a little tiny right. The tip. The tip is all that remains to be eaten. There you go. Nice job, Neil. Thank you. No, is it the 62 tip when it's seconds the, uh, in the microwave. What? Is it the tip when it's the last part that you eat? Don't you start with the tip? Well, it has two tips. Right, but if you start with one, then that's the tip, and then the other end is the uh, the ass end. Yeah, I just, I just finished the ass end. Eating the butt. Yeah, the booty. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to play that, okay? I mean, I know that a lot of people miss Phil back in the day when Phil was really Phil and before we totally lost it and sold out. That's what Cheap Channel will do to you, baby. Thank God we didn't get involved with those grave robbers. They don't pay anybody any money anyhow. They're just full of crap. Hey, Ken Charles, nice try, but you're full of crap. I actually thought something was going to happen there. You know, like put put something on the table. Any, put a dollar bill on the table, something to show some intent, you know. Never happened. Oh, well. They didn't even offer me what Chris is making. Wow. Yeah. And, of course, you, can you imagine? You're worried about Jolly Joe. Can you imagine what they would have done to you? I have no idea. You know what they say about once they're gone? Yeah, again. 281 on the pool. Which one of the following are you positive would cause your parents to disown you? None of the above, 101. I told you that would win easy. Well, these are people with parents who are loving and devoted and loyal and like that. Like me. That's how I am. With my stepson, my Mexican stepson, mm -hmm. which I put up with more crap and more... Uh, but that's the way it goes, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, commit a serious crime, 41. Vote Republican, 31. Become a drug addict, 27. Performing in porn, 19. Date outside your race, 18. Come out of the closet, 17. You fairy. Prostitute yourself, 12. Convert from your religion, 9. And vote Democratic, only 6. Vote Republican, 34. See where this audience is coming from? Yeah. Thank God. Well, you drove all the right-wingers away. Thank God for that, too. We don't need people. I mean, we've got a lot of crazy people out there, as you can tell from the calls, but we don't need anybody crazy enough to vote for John McCain. Nobody's that insane. Like that. 
That article I had yesterday about him was was really smashing. That was right on target. Yep. And, of course, everything's great in Iraq. Iraqi troops clashed with Shiite cleric Moqtada al-Sadr's militia in Baghdad today and cordoned his office off in Basra, inflaming tensions in their violent showdown. Everything is wonderful in Iraq. Amid blinding dust storms, Sadr's Mehdi army fighters attacked Iraqi army positions in East Baghdad, Sadr city slum, but U.S. forces said Iraqi troops stood their ground. Earlier this week, a unit of Iraqi troops in the area abandoned their post, the U.S. military said. They fled. They uh, hightailed it out of there. The battle in Sadr city is being seen as a key test for Iraq's army after a botched crackdown on the militia in the southern city of Basra last month, which sparked violent clashes across southern Iraq and in Baghdad. You hear the sirens? No. You can't? Well, it's gone now. They're fading off. The fresh fighting has fueled concerns that a period of declining violence credited to last year's so-called surge in U.S. troop levels is coming to an end, just as the American reinforcements are returning home. The Iraqi army still hold their positions in Sadr City, U.S. military spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Stover said, quoting a dispatch from troops at the front, they're currently under attack but are organizing a counterattack. And the beat goes on. The Sadr office in Basra, located in an old Olympic Committee building from the Saddam Hussein era, Troops from the Iraqi army prevented us from holding Friday prayers. And now they're cordoning off the orifice. They want us to evacuate and storm the orifice. Harif al-Idari, head of Sabir's Basra office, told Reuters. And it goes on. It's just, it just crap. It's like an 18th world uh, slum is what it's like. In the meantime, we're going to like uh, bring peace and democracy there. Anybody who would have said that the first number one was a total liar and number two uh, knew that they were a liar. It's full of crap. But thanks for the low oil prices. Hundred and what was it? Hundred sixteen. Yeah, I forgot. Changes every minute. Gambling channel. Just a second. It's always depressing. I hate to do this in the middle of lunch hour, but it's good for dieters. Make you lose your appetite. Although the Dow is up two fifty seven. Nasdaq is up. Uh, I couldn't see it. It's up. It's zooming up. And that's probably because uh, all the oil traders are making a big profit off of all of us. They're all squeezing us. Uh, the loonie is up to ninety nine sixteen again. The euro one fifty seven and a half down a little bit. Thank God. Let's all go to Europe. Let's go to Tremini, in honor of the Pope. Now, what am I looking for? I forgot. Oil. Oil. O-I-L-M-O-N-E-Y. Oil. Now, who is it that said that's the only reason we invaded that? Uh, Seymour Hirsch, and I think Sonny Hirsch, said the same thing. Poor Sonny. Yeah. Now, there was kind of a mystery guy, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Oil, 115.74. It. It's under 116. What a bargain. Let's go out and roll out the barrel and buy a bunch. What? I never thought about it, but yeah. He was an enigma. And, and what would you call him? A enigma. He was white as the fallen snow. Biggest name. The best talent. And Jewish. Enigma to see you. 560 QAM. The sports leader. It's Friday, you bastard. Fill your need. Oh, 
WQAM. This is the other one of those shows I feel like we've been here since what? Since before Jesus was a baby? Yes. Since before Christopher Columbus set sail for uh, the New World. Good news is, though, it's Friday. Let me say it again. Curtis for uh, Jerks coming up at 1 o'clock. He doesn't realize yet. He's got a three-hour show today. Remember that time when the Jerks offered to That was when Joe had his fake jury duty? Mm-hmm. And Jerks volunteered to do Oh, I just printed a story out and it didn't print out. Uh-oh. Oh, blank page. Don't you hate that? Let me go back again. Wait a minute. Uh, crap. Well, it's very important. I'm sure. Pro, it's, it's a knock on the Pope. I mean, can you even imagine finding a stir with a knock on the Pope? Huh? One moment, please. Print selection. There you go. Okay. Okay. And you know what's happening? Nothing. My yeah. computer froze up. Uh-oh. Oh, no, no, actually, it's printing now, but for some reason, it seems like the computer froze out. Now, what's that all about, Mr. Computer Expert? I don't know. Doesn't like you. Didn't like that It's page. another blank sheet of paper. Doesn't like oh, that Oh, no, page. it's one of 106,523. <laughs> Number one of 106,523. I guess I better have a lot of fax paper, eh? So what do I do a now? Punch. Oh, my Reset. God. Restart. Do what? Do what? Do what? Restart. That won't come up either. I'm going to have to unplug it. Oh, no, I'll restart. Okay. I mean, it was about Tom Tancredo ripping the Pope about immigration, ripping him an ass. Okay. Our good friend Tom. It's not a good sound when you're printing out pages and it says page one out of 106,523. You better hit that stop button real quick. Stop! Stop! Although I could print it all out and read it, and that would take me to the end of that contract. Right. And you know something? This business about uh, restart? Just wait. Oh, there we go. Ending program. That's right. Take a breath. Not responding. It's not responding. No responder. Let me unplug it, okay? Oh, uh, don't do that. Yeah. All right. Why not? Well, you don't have to. But I will. It's fun. There we go. Uh, now we're talking. Why aren't you whistling or doing something to fill that dead air, covering my oh, ass? Oh, cover your ass, jeez. Yeah, get a big, big blanket. Right, big tent. Beach blanket, like the one that Frankie Avalon had, and that's from the cello. Yeah, we'll play beach blanket bingo. And beach blanket, blanket, the blingo. How about plinko? They still play that in the Prices Right. Does anybody watch that anymore? Who's the turd burger they put your on there? Uh, your buddy Beast watches that. Who's on that show now? That very funny guy. Oh! Oh, my God. What are they thinking? That, that, you know something? Putting Drew Carey on The Price is Right was like when they put Katie Couric on the CBS Evening News. And they're both CBS shows. What does that tell you? Well, according to Beast, he's gotten better. He's horrible. Gotten better. Too bad it's not on right now. Maybe the West Coast feed is on somewhere. 
Here we go. Look at that. Now get rid of this. I got to get rid of like 400 things on there. Remind me later. I don't know about you, but does that happen when you restart your computer and all these different things come up on there and you have to like get rid of them? Sometimes. Oh, sometimes. Don't install. Go away. Get lost. This get lost. Go away. Don't install. The flash player. Yeah, flash this. As a matter of fact, speaking about Iraq and how well the surge is working, because a lot of stupid brainwashed people out there believe whatever crap the right-wingers tell them, suicide bombing, bombings have risen to their highest levels in recorded history since the invasion of Iraq, according to a new report buried on page A18 of today's Washington Post. They buried it, just like the bodies. Go away. Go away. I'm just getting rid of this crap. Go away. MySpace dot, there we go. See, it was a bad idea unplugging it. Okay, I tried to tell you. I bet you this is TomPayne.com, and it sure is. Boy, at least they're on time, you know. Newsflash. Should I look and see what the newsflash is? Populism is popular. <laughs> All right. Woo, at least it wasn't about the Pope. Or maybe, maybe they meant populism is popular. You think that's what it was? Maybe yeah, it was a typo. Of the 1,840 suicide bombings since 1983, the U.S. suicide bomber attacked the U.S. Embassy in Lebanon, 920, or 50% of suicide bombings, have occurred since the U.S. invaded Iraq in 2003. More than 82% of the suicide bombings last year were in Iraq. The number of bombings last year, 658, was more than twice the number of attacks at any point in the last 25 years. So obviously things are going really, really peachy keen. Oh, i got to get a hook on the Internet here. One moment, please. Sympatico, where is it? Connect. Better connect or your ass is grass, I'll tell you that. Uh-oh. There you go. We're now connected. Thank God. The unpublished research was compiled by U.S. government experts and leaked on condition of anonymity because whoever leaked it is uh, in dire straits. Suicide bombers engaged in 658 strikes across the globe in 2007. 542 of those were in U.S.-occupied Afghanistan and Iraq. More than four-fifths of suicide bombings over that period have occurred in the past seven years. Uh, the bombings have spread to dozens of countries and five continents, killed more than 21,350 people, and injured about 50,000 since 83 when a landmark attack blew up the U.S. Embassy in Beirut. Today is the 25th anniversary of that attack, the first in a series of large suicide bombings targeting Americans overseas. And, of course, in my building here in Toronto, we have all sorts of future terrorist bombers. All the Saudi women, man, schlepping around uh, half a dozen kids at least, at least. That makes you feel comfortable. And like I said, maybe they won't blow up their own building. Maybe. Yeah, because they're up there. Or maybe they'll stand out here. in front and wait for uh, some... <laughs> yeah. Some schmender to come out. Like you? It could be. Some like Jew. A, like a out. Jew? Yeah. I'm voting for none of the above on the poll. How are we doing on that thing, by the way? 311. And we had what? 9-11, 12-22. Boy, you really kicked ass today on that poll, Chris. Nice job. Well, thank you very much. You didn't do a damn thing. You, In fact, you were pissed off that I changed it before we got to 1,000. What are you and talking all, about? All together. I mean, it's cheating, of course, but at least it's not what's your favorite burger. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Now, should I look that up during the break and see how Footsie's doing on that the burger thing? Hey, what the rush is on the now. One. What? You're Maybe the one. Now. And he doesn't have his own website anymore. It's just you have to go to the IOD website. Do you think that's like some kind of a commentary there when you lose your own website and you have to be like kind of an appendage? I don't know. Wouldn't that be embarrassing if we were just on a QAM website? Well, yeah. <laughs> and they'd have to go by that big dolphin thing. They'd have to. That's why it was so amazing yesterday that we sold out in a minute on the restaurants. 
15th Street Fisheries. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is that all these people who want to buy the certificates, they're poised and ready, baby. They're on there. There we go. Footy, footsie. I know you're excited about this. You pretend that you're not. That's right. I'm a there secret fan. Oh, it's, it's a, a new format here. And, oh, and I thought it's a new nifty format. It looks like crap, but I thought the poll was going to be different. Well, guess what? Not. Where can you find the best burger in South Florida? Current champion, Royal Castle in Miami, or a new challenger, Duffy's Tavern in South Miami. I'm voting for Royal Castle because that's got to be Wayne Arnold, doesn't it? I don't know of any other one. He's got 59.5%, and the other joint, Duffy's Tavern, 40.5%. Duffy's is pretty good. Is it? Yep. Well, I mean, uh, Wayne Arnold's is like a, it's, it's, it's a different product, you know what I mean? Yes. What do you mean? Yeah, am I right? Of course you it wouldn't is. put that in the same category no, like no. the other burgers, would no. you? Of course not. Of course not, footsie, you idiot. God. MSNBC's Keith Olbermann challenged Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice to prove her devotion to country job admission on his countdown show Wednesday night. Taking aim at the Pentagon's stop-loss policy, which involuntarily extends the active duty status for its troops, Olbermann called it de facto draft gate. There is no draft, no force service, right? Olbermann continued, tell that to the kids who are stop-loss into the third, fourth, fifth tours in Iraq. Olbermann added, tell that now again to the State Department for the second consecutive year. The state is warning its diplomats that there are about 300 openings in Iraq, and apparently the number of volunteers is down to roughly zero. They may be forced to go there or quit, the MSNBC host noted. Secretary of State Rice said that those staffers who have protested the involuntary assignments are offensive to her and cast a very bad light on the Foreign Service. Oberman then essentially challenged Rice to put her body where her mouth is. Well, here's the suggestion, Madam Secretary. Your term is expiring in no more than nine months and four days. Why don't you show your devotion to the country and the department you've headed and show those who have made those offensive remarks what you are made of? Why don't you ask the next administration to let you continue to serve at state at one of those great jobs in Iraq? Yeah, send her dikey ass to Iraq. That's great. I mean, she could probably handle, you know, an assignment over there, being a bull dyke that she is. Yep. Let's play the original Condoleezza. What do you say? Bring all of this nonsense to a crashing, uh, crashing thud. Right. You think that would do it? Do it for me. Oh, Java Update is available. Shall I download it? Yeah, why not? Doesn't hurt. Oh, and that's on there like 50 times a day it comes on. I don't have time to pot you with that. And don't be playing no Condoleezza, okay? Not a good way to enter your negotiations with fat ass Jolly Joe. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. The one to two hour. Three thirty in the morning, and you hear his cell phone beep. But why the hell's he got his phone on when he should be fast asleep? You get up and check the message. And it says thanks for the sex You just caught your hubby cheating Through a goofy high school text And the screaming stars And the screaming stars Miss Pookie Panda And your man keeps her warm Text him about their last date when he visited her dorm. She thanks him for the sweater, the gift card, and iPod. She says she can't wait to see him 
and feel a sexy bar of the screaming stars. And the screaming stars. The screaming stars. And the lamp gets thrown. Hit him in the head with his own cell phone. And you kick him hard in the family feast. He's lying on the floor holding his in Up all the neighbors, but to them it's nothing new. Cause they've got rotten husbands who cheated on them too. <laughs> Here comes another message. Read it if you dare. A pookie panda says she's not wearing underwear. And the screaming stars. <laughs> Screaming starts. Screaming starts. The screaming starts. And the lamp gets thrown. You hit him in the head with his own cell phone. And then you kick him hard in the family beams. He's lying on the floor, holding his in between. And there's the Pope again at the U.N. You fairy. Wow, and all those bishops there, they're all smiling, they're quelling from ear to rear with their red beanies on. Now, does the pipe, all, the pipe, the Pope always wear a white beanie or sometimes a red beanie? I, I think his is always white, but I'm not sure, you know. How about the uh, camp? Yeah, that too. Delegates, the U.N. gave the Pope uh, some U.N. stamps. The Vatican gave the U.N. a map of the uh, old Vatican city-state. <laughs> Great. Some stamps. Maybe the Pope is a stamp collector. Maybe he likes to lick it. Well, speaking of that, I, I don't know how you pronounce this. Bisphenol? Sure, it works for me. Bisphenol? That they make those uh, hard plastic bottles with, like you get water out of? Okay. You never heard of it. You don't even know what I'm talking no, about. No, I never heard of it. Nalgene to phase out hard plastic bottles. Rochester, New York. Oh, my God. Birthplace of... Oh, God. Hard plastic Nalgene water bottles made with bisphenol A, and I have no idea if I'm saying that right and I doubt it, will be pulled from stores over the next few months because of growing consumer concern over whether the chemical poses a health risk. You know how many years ago I was talking about this? About 30, man. Screaming about it. That's when the screaming started. About how the chemicals leach into the water. And you people that are buying those damn bottles. I'm not, not, not the thin plastic, but you know the thick stuff that you can't see through? Right. Nalgene Nunc International Division of Waltham, Massachusetts-based Thermo Fisher Scientific, Inc. Said today it will substitute its Nalgene outdoor line of polycarbonate plastic containers with BPA-free alternatives. By eliminating containers containing BPA from our consumer product mix, our, consu our customers can have confidence that their needs are being met. Stephen Silverman, General Manager of the Nalgene Business, said in a statement. With more than 6 million pounds produced in the U.S. each year, Bisphenol A is found in dental sealants, baby bottles, the liners of food cans, CDs and DVDs, eyeglasses, and hundreds of uh, household goods. The chemical has been linked to neurological and behavioral problems in infants and babies, along with certain cancers, diabetes, and obesity. The reusable transparent sports accessories made at the factory in suburban Rochester that employs about 900 people. 
Nalgene Nunc was founded in 1949 by Rochester chemist Emanuel Goldberg. Oi! The lab equipment supplier's product evolved in the 1970s after rumors spread about its scientists taking hearty lab vessels on weekend outings. That led the company to form a water bottle consumer unit targeting Boy Scouts, hikers, and campers. In 2000, a new sports line of Nalgene brand bottles was offered in red, blue, and yellow hues, quickly became the rage in high schools and on college campuses. Highly durable and lightweight, resistant to stains and odors, and able to withstand extremes of hot and cold, able to leap tall buildings at a uh, moment's notice, screw-capped Nalgene bottles are marketed as an environmentally responsible substitute for disposable water bottles. Citing multiple studies in the U.S., Europe, and Japan, the chemicals industry maintains that polycarbonate bottles contain little BPA and leach traces considered too low to harm humans. Right. But critics point to an influx of animal studies linking low doses to a wide variety of ailments from breast and prostate cancer, obesity, and hyperactivity to miscarriages and other reproductive failures. It was a boy, Michael. It was a boy. It wasn't a miscarriage. It was an abortion. An expert panel of 38 academic and government researchers who attended a National Institute of Health-sponsored conference said in the study in August that the potential for BPA to impact human health is a concern and more research is clearly needed. Well, you do what you want. You know, if you want to drink uh, from those thick plastic bottles or leaching those chemicals, Oy! go right ahead. All right. You don't, I'm sure. Drink what? Water? From thick plastic bottles? Mm-hmm. Or those big plastic jugs, you know. Having some now. Get out of here. You are? No, you're not. Plastic jug. You got plastic jugs? Yes, I do. That's what Joe Rose said. Big plastic jugs. Mm-hmm. 329 votes on the poll. And thank God we put none of the above on there. You'd be you'd be uh, up source, man. You'd be in big trouble, Chris. Yep. They'd be talking about you all weekend over time. Oh, my God, that Chris's poll really sucked wind on the Rogers show. Now, what do we have on the first one? 9-11. And 332 is what? 1243. We got a real good shot here for 1300 total votes before we're done here at 2, although I doubt it. We can As do the it. day draws on, and it's getting closer toward the weekend. You know, well, Pesach is coming tomorrow night. Baruch Adonai. Let's have a big bottle of wine and get drunk like that. 332. Which one of the following are you positive would cause your parents to disown you? None of the above. 126. 37.9. Surprise! Wouldn't that be something if you were positive that they wouldn't disown you and you told them, oh, by the way, I'm a, I'm a dyke. Oh, well, bye-bye. Yeah. Commit a serious crime, 41. Vote Republican, 37. Become a drug addict, 32. Performing in porn, 24. Come out of the closet, 20. Date outside your race, 19. Prostitute yourself, 13. Una prostituta. Convert from your village in 12 and vote Democratic. Solamente ocho, only eight. And that's because most of your parents are Democrats. Thank God for that. This is only eight. Eight of those people still apologizing for Bush and all the dead people and for the uh, three, uh, almost $4 a gallon for gas and $116 a barrel. Roll out the barrel, baby. You can't afford to buy one, but roll it out anyway. And stick your long tube into it. You think that more and more people are going to be siphoning gas nowadays? You think that's going to be a new thing? No, you can't do that anymore. You can't? No, they've got like a, it's like blocked. It is? It is. I mean, I fill up the Pontiac every weekend. I should know something about it, but I never really look at it. You can't you know? uh, stick a hose down in there anymore. You can't stick a long tube up there? No, no, no more. Of course, when you siphon the gas, man, you get a mouthful of that gas tube. Oh, like, oh, phooey. 
And then when you go to light up a Marlboro, it's probably not a good idea. So you can't do that no more? Can't siphon no gas? Nope. Well, that, that would seem to me that during these times, we ought to be the ones inventing the new gas siphoner. Right. We could make billions. Sure could. Can you imagine? I do. Just come up with a long Cube. like that. And then also you can use like preparation rush. You could also stick it in your and use it like uh, for colon cleansing. Although be careful which end, <laughs> which end you're sucking the gas out of the tank with. Woo! Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, there you go. Preparation rush, baby. Hey, Rush, stick it in your along those uh, pills you're popping, too, you phony. You phony fat F. Like jerks would say. He's a, real, he's a real fat F, and there's nothing phony about that. Yeah. Well, he's phony, all right. Phony baloney. But he's got all his disciples out there, those ditto heads. That dwindling number of them, thank God for that. Hey, are you tossing and turning, waking up too soon? If your neck or back hurts every morning, nine out of ten times, it's your mattress. That's the problem. That's why at 1-800-MATTRESS, they spend time with you on the phone asking important questions to figure out the type and firmness of the mattress you'll be needing. Call 1-800-MATTRESS right now. They get huge savings on all of our popular brands, Sealy, Inserta, Simmons, Spring Air, Tempur-Pedic, and Stearns, and Foster. Great quality, great low prices, and service like anywhere else. Unlike, like I said, anyplace else. Call today, get your mattress delivered within just a matter of hours, all with their famous no-risk, send-it-back 30-day comfort trial. They'll even take away the old mattress, too, the crappy old thing. With 1-800-MATTRESS, save up to 300 bucks right off the bat. Get a free frame and delivery on all orders and receive deep discounts on discontinued models, too. And 1-800-MATTRESS even offers you financing with no interest for 48 months. I've been using dial mattress for years and years, and you ought to be doing the same. Virtually everybody at QM is doing it, even the dummies. So get yourself a great night's sleep tonight, and for years to come, call the original dial mattress Or go to mattress.com on the Wicked Web. 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, and leave off the last S. Because it stands for stupendous, sensational saving. Your biggest name. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Friday, you bastards. It's the fishing invention of the century. The Ronco Pocket Fish Megaphone. How does it work? Using the latest fishing technology, the Ronco Pocket Fish Megaphone makes fish jump right into your net. Simply aim it towards any body of water, and just like that, you're fishing. Hey, fish, jump in the net. Do it now. Come on. Wow, it really works. The Ronco Pocket Fish Megaphone does everything a fisherman needs it to do, except fit in your pocket. It even doubles as a Mr. Microphone. Hey, good looking. We'll be back to pick you up later. The Ronco Pocket Fish Megaphone. It's almost as dumb as spray on hair. But not quite. And how can anything be that dumb? Just hope it never rains when you got that spray on. What do they call that? Uh, the hair, the hair in a can. Yeah, hair in, scare, scare hair in a can. Spray on uh, bald spot spray. Anyway, that Ron Popeil man, remember we had him on the air 100 years ago? Were you there or not? Yeah. On IOD when we had sure. him on the phone? We got uh, pasta makers, both of us. Oh, that, that's right, we both got those pasta makers. Mine broke the second time right. I used it. Mine was really noisy. And it's uh, long gone. And once it's gone, it's yeah, one of those things you shove in a cupboard, you know, somewhere, and then mm-hmm. eventually when you're cleaning the house, you oh, you toss it in the garbage. The pasta maker. Ooh, mung. It's just mung. But anyway, there's a guy that made millions and millions and millions, mostly selling crap, although that rotisserie thing of his, man, it might actually be pretty good. Not as good as the Flavor Wave, though. You think? No, not as good. 
at I all. I use my flavor wave a lot, although I don't have time to potsky with it when I make those when I eat those weenies near I nuke them. Right. Sixty two seconds on the nuker. Ted Rawls says the cavalry isn't coming. Do I have time to do this? Oh yeah. I got to uh oh no. Oh, I see. Robert Reif, the former Labor Secretary in the Clinton administration, endorses Barack Obama. Oh, my God. The act of endorsing a candidate is generally and properly limited to editorial pages and elected officials. I wonder what James Carville is going to call him besides another Judas. And then he goes on to say why he did not want to endorse uh, someone until now uh, because he didn't want to affect any friendships. So, Robert Reif goes on to say, I believe that Barack Obama should be elected president of the United States. Although Hillary Clinton has offered solid and sensible right. policy proposals, Obama's, Obama's strike me as even more so, <laughs> Good reading his proposals and his policies. Obama strike me. Oh, my God. God strike me down. This guy couldn't read his way out of a paper sack. All he's doing is reading the teleprompter all day, and he can't read that. What the hell is that all about? Barack Obama for president. Okay, amen. CNN just announced Barack Obama for president. So how do you like that? Elliot, uh, uh, Bill Richardson, not Elliot Richardson, right. he's dead still, I'm sure. And uh, now Robert Reich. Wow. Those Clintons are going to be really porked off. Bubba's face is going to be redder than footies. It's going to be red as Rudolph the Red than the hosed reindeer. How do you like that? Isn't that something? Yeah. And like Howard Dean says, time to give up the ghost, you know, time to get it over with. And once it's time... It's time. Ted Rawls says, why is this recession different from almost all the recessions? Asked Herbert Barchoff. The economist, a former president of the Council of Economic Advisors, answered his own question. This is not only the usual cyclical recession, but also a structural recession. Barchoff's dark assessment appeared in a letter to the editor of the New York Times in June 92. Then, like now, Americans were suffering through a long, grinding recession following a boom under Reagan that had primarily benefited the wealthy. There were mass layoffs. The real estate market had collapsed. Foreclosures were rampant. George Herbert Walker Bush, who had expected to coast a re-election on the strength of his near 90% post-Gulf War approval ratings, projected a Herbert Hoover-like resolve to not lift a finger to alleviate the misery. The Federal Reserve cut interest rates, but it didn't help. Six months later, angry voters fired an out-of-touch president who seemed unwilling to fix an economy he didn't think was broken in favor of a guy who claimed to feel our pain. Barchoff, it would turn out, was too pessimistic. To reverse the excesses of the 80s, he wrote, restructuring has been going on in massive proportions at every level. It's a rare day that newspapers don't report layoffs, often in the thousands in the industrial sector. What Barchoff didn't know, few people did, was that the U.S. was about to begin the longest, broadest, and biggest period of economic expansion experienced by any civilization in human history. Downsizing continued in traditional sectors like manufacturing and newspapers. Even during the Clinton boom, millions of people were ruined, forced to declare bankruptcy. Midwestern cities were reduced to rusted-out shells, but none of that mattered to Wall Street. The Internet revolution prompted so much capital investment and generated so many new jobs, freshly minted college grads thought it perfectly normal to earn 85 grand moving around lines of HTML, that otherwise sane people began talking about a new paradigm in which the old rules no longer apply. In other respects, however, Barchoff was prescient. The then-new European community will substantially hurt our ability to be competitive, he correctly predicted. The drop in interest rates is no solution. During the Great Depression, the prime rate went from one uh, went down to one percent with no cure. When you're out of work and afraid of losing your job, you don't take on debt. Nor will entrepreneurs borrow every uh, very, even very cheap money unless there's a market. The Bush senior recession was a grim affair. When I graduated from Columbia in '91, the university canceled its annual jobs fair due to employers' lack of interest. But it was a picnic compared to what we're facing now. Bush Jr. could finally realize Barchow's nightmare of a structural recession, the kind of no-way-out shock experienced by Russia after the collapse of the Soviet Union. 
Normal cyclical recessions feature increased unemployment, which puts downward pressure on prices. You rarely see high unemployment and high inflation at the same time. Conservative economists point to rising inflation during the late 70s as an exception, but that wasn't even a downturn, much less a recession. Inflation was high, but unemployment was low. Anyway, the inflation didn't hurt workers. During the Carter years, mean wages rose faster than inflation. The opposite is true now. Real income is falling. The economy has bled 3.1 million jobs since George W. Bush assumed the presidency in 2001, the worst record since the Depression. The official unemployment rate constantly rejiggered to make the economy appear more robust has risen to 5.1%. The long-term unemployment rate, which includes people who have had such bad luck looking for work that they've given up entirely, has doubled to over 13%. Meanwhile, inflation is approaching 7%. Again, that's the official inflation rate. Your mileage as an average American who spends a 30-year pay on housing and more on, and more on gas will vary. But let's not dwell on the irony of $4 a gallon gas resulting from a war fought to steal oil. But wait, there's even more bad news. Two-thirds of economic activity is generated by consumer spending. Most people are broke, so much that for two-thirds, so much for that two-thirds, in other words. In 2000, reports David Lenhart in the Times, at the end of the last economic expansion, the median family made about 61 grand, according to the Census Bureau's inflation-adjusted numbers. In 2007, in what looks to have been the final year of the most recent expansion, the median family, amazingly, seems to have made less, about 60,500. This, says Leonard, is a big deal. This has never happened before, at least not for as long as the government's been keeping records. RBC Capital Markets reports that consumer confidence has fallen below 30%, an all-time record low. T.J. Marta, a fixed-income strategist at RBC, said, What confidence? There is no confidence. It's like 1929. If Barchoff had picked up a copy of the San Jose Mercury News in 92, he would have read about the birth of the Web Revolution, then touted as the information superhighway. But there's nothing like that coming down the pike today. To paraphrase the ever-quotable Donald Rumsfeld, we're going to have to make do with the economy we have, not the one we wish we had. Liberal economists like Paul Krugman suggest a rerun of the 30s when FDR's New Deal employed millions to build new infrastructure like dams and bridges. But none of the three remaining presidential contenders is likely to undertake such a thing. The worst-case scenario about the 91 war against Iraq, Barchoff said in 92, would have benefited lasted two years and cost an extra $200 billion. Iraq War II, now in its sixth year, has currently paid an estimated $3 trillion. Republican John McCain is committed to pouring more billions into Iraq War II until victory is achieved, in other words, forever. As Democrats worry of being tarnished with the label of big spender, both Obama and Clinton will likely place fiscal discipline ahead of expensive new government programs. There is no short-term fix. In the long run, we have to put more money into people's pockets. That means higher wages and lower taxes for the poor and middle class. Some of what is needed is easy to see. A more progressive tax code, repealing laws that allow employers to harass and fire those who try to organize unions. Nationalizing industries run by vampire capitalists, health insurers, private hospitals, colleges, and universities. Banks encourage predatory lending while stifling saving. They ought to be re-regulated. What madness permits them to charge 30% on credit cards while paying 1% on passbook savings accounts? Much, much more is necessary to prevent the wholesale collapse of the U.S. economic system. A maximum wage should be imposed. The highest paid American should earn no more than 10 times the lowest paid. I know, none of this will happen. There will be nothing but band-aids and lazy rhetoric as we plummet into the abyss. It can't be otherwise, for our politics are ossified, the media is corporatized, and we the people are dull and apathetic. How do you like that? Yeah. Ted Rawl writes, your buddy Ted, pretty depressing. He beats the like boy, boy, pulls punches, makes his words. Wants you to blow your brains out. Put him and Doug Thompson together, man. You've got Dr. Jack Kevorkian delight. Am I right? Yes. Yep. Where do I find the gun? Where do I shoot? 351 on the pool. Let me, now, let me add these together. I want to make sure I know what I'm doing. 
1262. Oh, we got a lick, baby. 1300 on a Friday. Woo! And selling out that 15th Street Fisheries, those certificates yesterday, in a minute or less. Right. You get the feeling that maybe we're making a, uh, a scumbag. Oh, what? Careful. You heard what I said. I didn't say scumbag. Well, we can say that now. Oh, okay. You want to know why? Because you want to. Because we want to. We said so. That's the way it is now. Say something, they'll... Why? We'll say because we felt like it. Bitch. Did I, did I read to you the um, email that she sent Norma after I signed my deal? No. Very short and sweet. Dan? Oh, I'm so, uh, so delighted that we've, uh, you know, uh, resolved Neil's future with WQM successfully and blah, blah, amicably and whatever. Bitch. I guess she thinks now that I like her or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's fun. In fact, during the breaks, I just fart so I can hear, I can hear the sounds of my own farts. Real loud. Once in a while, I wouldn't be surprised if someday I do a Randy on this chair, although it won't be the same shade, but I don't think. You never know. Wouldn't be too good if it turned out to be, you know? I stay in the chair. Big deal. But at least it'll only affect you. What? At least it'll only affect you. How do you know that? I might bring it down. Might bring it down there and sit your fat ass in it. Maybe we'll get you the chair that Josh Friedman broke. No, please. Oh, yeah. Maybe you can take a whiff of that. No. Josh Friedman with that cottage cheese pus coming out of his puppet. God, talk about a disgusting subhuman individual. Happy Pesach, Josh. Sure had a lot of Joshes in that place, haven't we? Yep. And, of course, uh, anybody tunes in the format and wonders, what's this all about? Oh, we're just joshing. 20s, oh, there's the Pope again. He meets the ambassador. Yeah, good. Good for him. Talks like an old lady, the Pope. Well, maybe he's an old lady. He looks like an old lady, too, as a matter of fact. And those red shoes, man, those, those little slippers. Yeah. They yeah. look really gay. Neat. It's back and it's huge. Exotica Miami Beach, the largest adult event on the East Coast, is coming back to South Florida this weekend. And starting today, as a matter of fact, at the Miami Beach Convention Center. Exotica, presented by Hot Movies, features the hottest adult star signing autographs, wildlife entertainment, super sexy seminar series, and over 200 exhibitors. That's today, tomorrow, and Sunday at the Miami Beach Convention Center. Don't miss exhibitors like Girls Gone Wild and the all-female Pillow Fight League. Go VIP and get access to the Crazy Horse Saloon, VIP Lounge, and VIP Autograph Lines. Come meet stars like Jesse Jane, Tara Patrick, Stormy Daniels, and tons more. Tickets are available online at ExoticaMiamiBeach.com or on-site at the Convention Center Box Orifice. Exotica Miami Beach, come this weekend and get sexy. Sorry, no squares allowed, and they mean it. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Hi, this is G. Gordon Liddy, and they don't come any worse than Neil Rogers. No single artist embodies the spirit of summer like Gordon Lightfoot. Are you serious? Absolutely. And now, Gordon Lightfoot takes the melody from the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and turns up the heat on your favorite summer songs on his new album, Gordon Lightfoot Sweats Out Summer. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. Yes, Canada's own Gordon Lightfoot is heating up the Great White North with a red-hot version of this Lovin' Spoonful classic. summer. In the city, back of my neck getting dirty and dirty. Just wait until you hear Gordon Lightfoot's novel approach to summer's most famous novelty song. Hello, Mada, hello, Mada, here I am at Camp Granada. 
put your toes in the sand and your fingers in your ears and get ready for Gordon Lightfoot's rendition of this hit from the Genies. It's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. Summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. You'll want to stick this collection where the sun don't shine in your CD player. It's Gordon Lightfoot sweats out summer. 132 AQM, gas prices record high again. Thank you again, Mr. President. We can't thank you collectively enough for the phenomenal job you've done. You and your good buddies, the Saudis, the grave-robbing Saudis, like that crook Bandar Bush. 344 for regular, 379 for premium. A new t- all-time high record. And over a dollar, uh, 160, 116 bucks a barrel. I can't even say it. 116 a barrel for oil. Yeah. I can envision the day. Now, what was the movie with Charlton Heston, Rest in Pieces? From my cold, dead hands. Um, the Omega Man, was that it? Which one? I mean, that was one of them. Where he was the last man? Well, one of the last men. Where, Correct. Where the, the Omega Man, that's right. Right, and Vincent Price was in the original one. Which I don't think it was called the Omega Different, different movie, different movie. The uh, no. Vincent Price movie was uh, something else. But it was a completely different movie. Same kind of a thing, uh, you know, Doomsday. It was End not the... a different movie. Okay. Same kind was of a it? thing, different kind of, uh, uh, you know, Doomsday, End of the World kind of thing, but a completely yeah. different plot. Just uh, same kind well, of a scenario. I'm thinking that maybe the day isn't that far off that people are going to be, like, shooting each other for a gas. Right. It's going to be those big signs that's, like uh, back in the 70s. Road Warrior stuff. The Last yeah. Man on Earth. The Last Man on Earth was Vincent Price, right. And Omega Man was Chuck Heston. Charlton Heston, different stuff. Just walk away. That's you about people fighting over gas. You son of a bitch. What? The Road Warrior, people fighting over gas. Oh, look at that. The Dow is up 270 points. Wow. Must be because of those record high gas prices. Woo. And Citigroup posts $5.1 billion loss on massive write downs. All of these things must be the reason that people are uh, jumping into the market. Because things are looking so peak. Maybe it's because the Pope is there in New York. What do you think? Maybe the Vatican is buying up all the stock. That could be. Or maybe they're selling all their porno movies. Isn't that, what, isn't that the rumor that somewhere in the bowels of the Vatican lies the largest porno collection anywhere in the, in the, in, on the earth? Well, it's for research, you know, and they, got, <laughs> right. they do a lot That's of exhaustive said. research. Yeah. That's exactly what Gary Glitter said. What tells that horrible song? Rock and Roll Part 2. Rock two. and Roll Part 1, Part 2, yeah. Da, 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 da. Oh. Hey! If I ever hear this again, what? I'm going to take 14 hockey pucks yeah. and them. What? Remember I could, when I used to be able to play them? Yeah, I know. We used to have some really good fun with this. But the blood is all gone. You can play your armpit. We can do that yeah, and play some pit music, can't we? I don't have that sound. You know how sour that is? Like that awful note in Angel Baby by Rosie in the original. It's sour. Like Joyce, sour. They're sweet and sour, and then there's Joyce, just sour. Here we go, here it comes. All right. The whole thing is sour. I never really realized it before because I tuned it out. Yeah. Even when they're playing it like at the hockey games, and they're just blasting it, and your your head hurts. Your head hurts because uh, they're just blaring it. The speakers on the ceiling are just about ready to come crashing down, just like the speakers in the Pontiac when a certain Paco gets in there. 
I mean, I, I realize I've had my day when I like to blast the music in the radio, but never to the point where the speakers were like hopping off the dash. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. It's a kid thing, you know. Yes, it is. Although at least he don't listen to rap music. Thank God for that. Oh. He listens more to like gay fag music. Coochie coochie music? Yeah. Fag music. 263 that I was up. Boy, I'll tell you, everybody's crawling from this. Look at that. You better jump into the market. That's right. Here comes the bunny, and there goes the money. Gail Collins writes, The Battle of the Baggage. Do I have time for this before the break? I'll make time. I'll read it so fast you won't hear a word of it. Are we taking any calls today? Not. <coughs> I, I just don't want to. I don't want to. Maybe Monday, that, uh, or maybe this afternoon, that router will show up. And maybe I'll screw up all the connections and we won't have any internet over the weekend. And I'll have to call you and say, send some stories. I don't think so. All right. I already sent stories for tomorrow. I'm Good. way ahead of you. Good. So if Cordis wanted to get like a head start, he's got a, he's got a thousand stories on there already for tomorrow. Gail Collins in the Times writes, after nearly a week of bitter battering, it must have pleased Barack Obama greatly when he was able to bring up Hillary Clinton's cookie debacle Wednesday night. Finally, he got a chance to remind her of a time back in 92 when she dissed the homemakers of America by saying, rather inartfully, that she preferred legal work to baking and serving tea. For sure, Clinton de- didn't need the reminder. She's still pushing a recipe for chocolate chip cookies with oatmeal and shortening as penance. And people attacked her for being elitist and this and that. And I remember watching that on TV and saying, well, that's not who she is, Obama said cheerfully. In the first half hour of the 24th debate Wednesday night, the Democratic candidates for president tossed personal baggage back and forth like a tennis ball. The bitter comment. Hillary mentioned once again that her grandfather worked in a Scranton lace factory. The baking blunder. Cue the cookies. Jeremiah Wright and a non-existent Bosnian sniper, where Clinton's admission of guilt was so fulsome that Obama declined to even press the issue. Obama acknowledged knowing Bill Ayers, the former member of the Weather Underground, who refused to apologize for the anti-war bombings during the Vietnam era, but then he volleyed back Hillary's husband had pardoned some weathermen. This is a guy who lives in my neighborhood, who's a professor of English in Chicago, somebody who engaged in detestable acts 40 years ago when I was 8 years old, Obama complained. No fair blaming the 8-year-olds. It's amazing how often age comes up in his campaign, even on the Democratic side. This week, while he was speaking in Philadelphia, Obama told a story about how he went to a sparsely attended gathering in Greenwood, South Carolina, feeling tired and slightly depressed until a local woman appeared crying out, Fired up and ready to go? She's seen some years, Obama said, describing the scene to a room full of well-fed politicians and union officials. She may be close to uh, 60. Oh, no, some middle-aged women in the crowd started to hiss. The battered Obama campaign aides must have been swooning. First the gun lovers, now the baby boomers. Seniors versus juniors. Think of it as a welcome break from gender and race. This long, long primary has gone to come down to time, if not to age, at least to tenure under the presidential spotlight. Clinton's central argument against Obama is that he needs seasoning like a decade or two of unending public scrutiny. I have a lot of baggage in everybody's rummage tour for years, she said during the debate. In fact, she's had so many life changes that it's hard to believe the peculiar investments and marital mishaps and the lost law records were attached to the same person. Obama's stuff is all so new. The country's only heard about Jeremiah Wright for a few weeks, and Bill Ayers is less well-known than the associates of the latest American Idol reject. I know it's been a hard couple of weeks, people. You were all excited about this election, and now you feel like someone who got all dressed up for a great event and wound up at a B-party list with a cash bar. You never want to hear the words bitter or Bosnia again. And the only political story that you really enjoyed lately is the one about Cindy McCain's list of favorite recipes being cribbed from the Food Network. Maybe my, the problem is Pennsylvania. Not that it isn't a lovely place full of people who, despite their economic woes, are in excellent moods all the time. But the candidates' pollsters always warn candidates that the entire state, and possibly the presidency, hinges on a couple of exurban neighborhoods full of alienated outdoorsmen. This causes Democrats to go into strange contortions. Witness Obama and Clinton at the debate racing away from gun, gun control as if they were a pair of greyhounds. For swearing middle-class tax cuts as if they were George Herbert Walker Bush. 
The problem with primaries is that without real policy disagreements, if you want to prove you're better than your opponent, it has to get personal. Barack and Hillary are dying to take on John McCain. They can't wait to fight with somebody who thinks Iraq is a good idea. In a great debate breakthrough, Hillary said she thought that while she was the best candidate, Barack could beat the Republicans too. Yes, yes, yes. This is definitely a new conclusion on the part of the Clinton campaign, arrived at under extreme duress and the presence of network TV cameras, but the Democrats can use all the amity they can get. Five more days, and then it's on to the next primary. Let's not try to say anything insulting about Guam. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Bum, 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 brand. Bum, 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 brand. Forty-five at five sixty. WQM. We got Curtis Stevenson for the Jerks at uh, two o'clock, two to four today. Where's Jerks today? Do we have any idea, Chris? I think he's at a uh, what are those things called? A charity function up in Orlando or something. I see. Three seventy-two and nine eleven, right? Yes. Is twelve eighty-three. We need seventeen votes in fifteen minutes to get to uh, thirteen hundred for the day, which is not. A, I don't know. It's an unlucky number. What do you think? Okay. What do you think, George? I know George is all whipped up about it. You know oh, what yeah. George is whipped up about? That in, two, in 14 minutes, it'll be 2 o'clock. That's right. And then it's Friday, and we're out of here, and he can screw his brains out and smoke a lot of uh, dope That's over right. the weekend. That's right. And go roller uh, derbying with uh, Jolly Joe Bell. That's right. I think that's where you guys ought to make the deal. At the uh, at the derby? Yeah, at the derby. Sure. I'll have my girls uh, back me up. A federal prison inmate got himself listed on the ballot for Idaho's May 27th primary. As a Democratic presidential candidate, Keith Russell Judd is serving time at the Beaumont Federal Correction Institute in Texas for making threats at the University of New Mexico in 99. He's scheduled for release in 2013, same year as my contract ends. Judd, 49, qualified for the ballot by submitting a notarized form and paying the required $1,000 fee, Secretary of State Ben Isura said. As a result, Democratic voters will be able to choose between Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Keith Russell Judd. We got conned, Isura told the spokesman review of Spokane. It's Judd's second presidential bid in Idaho, the newspaper said Wednesday. In 2004, he declared as a write-in candidate for president, which requires only the submission of a declaration, and didn't get any votes. Didn't get any votes. Maybe he's not even registered to vote. He didn't vote for himself. No matter how many votes he gets this time, he won't get any national convention delegates. Idaho's delegates are chosen at party caucuses. The good thing is the Democratic presidential primary has absolutely no legal significance, Isura said. Isursa. Prison officials told the state elections office that judge sent out about 14 checks to states seeking to get on the presidential election ballot, and only about half have been returned. He qualified as a write-in candidate in Kentucky, California, Indiana, and Florida, of course. But Idaho, apparently, is the only state where his name will appear on the ballot. It's a mockery of the system, and it's too bad this kind of thing can happen, said Chuck Oxley, a state Democratic Party spokesman. Party leaders are especially annoyed because he serves a Republican part of Democratic State Senate candidate Matt Yost from the ballot after determining that Yost was registered to vote in a different district. 
I wonder if he's kind of Eddie Yost, the great third baseman for the Washington Senators 400 years ago. Remember Eddie Yost, Chris? Not. Another name. Do you? Yeah. You got the baseball card? Norman no. will flip you for it. He'll flip okay. you a Dutch Leonard for Eddie Yost. He didn't uh, use him in his uh, bike spokes? We have this really good candidate who can't get on the ballot, and this Yahoo prisoner in Texas who coughs up a thousand bucks can. I'd like to know where he got the thousand bucks. Oh, I see. U.S. Judd paid his fee with U.S. Treasury check drawn on his prison account. In his declaration, Judd listed as a campaign office telephone number the city desk news tip line at the Beaumont Enterprise newspaper in Texas on a Project Vote Smart profile that gave an IRS line in Ohio for the number of his campaign coordinator telephone. We did some checking, your sources said. There was nothing legally to keep him off. A key reason he was able to make the ballot was a recent change in state election law that eliminated a requirement under which he would have had to get signatures for more than 3,000 Idaho citizens. Well... Think about it. I, he's got my vote over Swillery, I'll tell you that. If it was like Michigan, where she was the only name on the ballot? Yeah. I mean, why the media didn't just rip her to shreds about that? It was so transparent. I mean, they're in on it. Desperation, man. Desperation. Flailing about. They agree that they're not going to uh, campaign in Michigan or Florida, that they have violated party rules, that the delegates won't be seated, that the primaries aren't going to count. It's just a beauty contest. And, oh, well, those people have a right to have their votes counted. Barack doesn't want all the people to have a right to vote. Bye-bye. All this other crap. And she, by the way, was the only Democrat, her and Kucinich, which what difference does it make, were the only ones who left their names on a ballot in Michigan. What does that tell you about her? Mm-hmm. By hook or by crook? Crook. Oh, no, that Federici, the... Federici died. What do your grave will tell you about tomorrow morning when he calls up around 7 o'clock? <laughs> I'll bet he will. George wasn't real happy about your phone call this morning, Woody. Hey, he meant well. Oh, Maybe. you are you are such a <laughs> suck-up. Yeah, because you know you're going to get some freebies from him in the future, At some so you're point, sucking yeah. up. Just ripped him a merciless ass this morning. At least I ripped Tom Jekyll ass off the air and on the air. Yeah, well, he doesn't get you any tickets, does he? That's not the point. The point is he could have given us some good publicity and written a nice piece, which I'm sure he would have. But, uh, you know, you call somebody when you know they're not there and then say, well, I'll call you back in a half an hour. Yeah, you know you're not you there. had a caller ID. I don't have caller ID. I can't get it here, okay? Because my phone is part of the building system. I can't get caller ID. I got caller call waiting. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. I can't get caller ID. Damn Canadians. It's not Canada. It's, it's a building thing. It's the system. Don't you understand? It's in the system, schmuck. Okay. Now, what do we what do we got on that poll of yours? We're getting close. 381 382. and 9-11. What? We need eight more in ten minutes. Oh, geez. Well, I don't know. On a Friday afternoon near the end of the show? What if I always talk to you about these polls when I try to treat you a little poll etiquette? Never count your chickens before they scream on that machine. Exactly. Those screaming chickens. Well, I sure wish they had those at Woodbine. They don't have them. Two-cent machines. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. Now, who's the most unlikely guy in the world to be playing a slot machine called hee-haw? You. Yes. But I love it. It's great. And when you get that third chicken just screaming and yelling and just carrying on like a like somebody is uh, chopping his head off. Where the hell did I see that? It was on some... Oh, it was on TV the other day. They were chopping a chicken? In Italy, the guy was chopping the chicken's head off. Oh, it was the most gruesome. It was an yeah. Yeah, even Paco couldn't look at it. And I'm sure that in Mexico they probably uh, chop a lot of chickens' heads off. I imagine, or choke them. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. Now, what do we need? 380 what? 89. Well, let's see how we're doing. 383. 
Six more, baby. Let's, let's do it before we get out of here to make it a really banner weekend. Happy Pesach, by the way, for those of you who are going to be eating that stale matzah. Salt and butter. Mmm. Forget the salt. It's bad for your blood pressure. You don't really need the salt. Although matzah is so tasteless, you need something on there. See, to me, and I know you would say this about steak, too, but a great steak, you don't need to put anything on. Like well, Ruth's Chris or hopefully Morton, yeah, which well, I'm trying tonight. Why would I argue with that? Well, there you go. I mean, it's okay to, but uh, you don't need to. But you don't need to. I mean, a mediocre steak that's got no taste, you got to drown it in, like, uh, you know, steak sauce. Like A1. And what's that real good uh, stuff from New York? Peter Luger's. Peter Luger. Oh, baby. Yeah, that's just like sucking sugar, man. A lot of sugar in that sauce. Did you say sugar? Pretty good. Okay. What? Nothing. <laughs> 386. Oh, my God. During the break. During our final break, I think we're going to do it. And this weekend, George is having a big powwow with uh, Joe Bell, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure he'll call you at home and say, let's do lunch like tomorrow. Okay. And then you go to lunch, and then Monday morning you'll come in and got to make an announcement, a big raise, a 20-year contract, takes the show over when I croak, all of these things. All of these things. And I wasn't even doing drugs before I said any of that. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. Well, when he was alive back in 1489, he was a little guy who stood four foot five, kind of round and tasty with a couple of chins, and he was in charge of the Vatican, Pope John. Pope John, Pope John, Pope Pius John. You see, the popes and priests would get married back then and spread the money round to their offspring and kids. So the bankers at the Vatican made marriages in, and that posed a problem for his husband and him, Pope John. The scandalous secret he didn't confess was that he was a pregnant girl under that dress. Back then they all dressed in drag, that helped keep it in, cause if anyone found out he'd lose the gig, Pope John. One windy day his dress blew up in a gust and someone yelled, Hey, that guy has no nuts! And like Marilyn Monroe, his skirt billowed high and everyone knew it was the end of the line for Pope John. Embarrassed and worried, the bank would go broke. The Vatican chimneys belched out holy smoke. From history, spin doctors had this erased. Not long after, they had discreetly replaced Pope John. Pope John. Pope John. Pope Pius John. Oi! They buried him or her out of public view in a tomb held together with scotch tape and glue. These few words are written on his tomb. We pray that everybody will forget about you, Pope John. Pope John. Pope John. Pope Pius John. Pope John. Bye, bye, bye. The biggest names, the best talent.
Fort Lauderdale. It's for the feet. Please for the feet. That's what I got me some cleats. As we say, cleats.